shotglassdigital.com. On this episode of Geek Out Loud, there we're doing our first episode of the book club, but there's so much else going on! This is madness on your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud podcast. Welcome to Geek Out Loud. My name's Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you. Kind of sad that there's no music playing now. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of half in the mood for a dance party, half in the mood for just jamming out and hanging out together, half in the mood for, that's three halves, I know, but man, there's so much going on right now. So much happening. Star Wars news broke today at the time of this recording that is just kind of big and special and fun and kind of gives us an idea of what we're looking at uh, for some of the future of Star Wars, but also uh, the This Is Madness tournament started today, and we'll be talking a little bit more about that as we get into the show before we get into The Hobbit. Now, for those listening live, live in the chat tonight at Mixer.com slash Goliverse, if you're part of the book club over at at the, uh, I almost said Goliverse Reads, over at the Goodreads site, which you can get to by going to geekoutonline.com slash reads, and uh, you're ready to jump in on this Hobbit discussion. We'll be doing a call-in later on, so uh, get get your fingers ready with the number 912-386-4294. Or if you have me on the Skype, you can uh, Skype it up there. We'll be bringing in uh, Rod, bald-headed Rod, the founder of the Goliverse Book Club, to help us out in this first discussion. Not sure how it's going to go. We're going to see. We're going to test the waters and see how it goes. We've got some emails. We've got some... We'll hopefully have some call-ins and some good discussion over J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. And uh, so that's coming later in the show. Uh, We've got uh, emails, of course, coming up and all kinds of good things. But I want to say thanks to everyone who supports the show by going to geekoutpodcast.com or geekoutonline.com and using the Amazon links uh, to to do your Amazon shopping. We are... Ever since I started talking about this and mentioning it, uh, you guys have been great about using the Amazon links, and it's really helped the show out in a big, bad way. Uh, I no longer have to have the headache of hosting fees and everything. I know that the Amazon stuff is going to cover all of those things, and I really, really appreciate it. So if you're using Amazon to do your shopping, just bookmark geekoutpodcast.com, head there, click on the link, and just go from there. 
and do your Amazon shopping, and it really helps the shows out. And we thank everyone who has um, who's done who who does that. And also a huge thank you, uh, if you will, a thank you so much to everyone who supports us directly at Patreon.com/GeekOutLoud. You guys have saved my life over the past nine months, and I can't thank you enough for all that you've done to help me, to help the Goliverse, to help this podcast network just grow and expand and be something really fun and really great and I think really good for the internet community at large. I'm just going to put it out there and say, I don't mean to be prideful. I don't mean to be arrogant, but I really do think, I I listen to several podcasts and I don't know that anyone has the spirit and the heart that we have in the Goliverse. And I'm not just talking about me and Geek Out Loud. I'm talking about the listeners. I'm talking about the faithful listeners of Geek Out Loud, the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. I'm talking about the great co-hosts we have. Dave Jones, Teresa Delgado, Kristen from Jersey, Carl LeClaire. These guys who do great work on their own rights and other projects and doing other stuff. But man, they they brought their talent and their passion to the Goliverse and I couldn't be happier to have them. And I thank them, and I thank you for your support at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. If you want to head that way and support it, we'd appreciate it so much. Our featured supporter this week is Alec, Alex Gossett. Alex developed Gossett Particles, technology that allows him to grow and shrink at will. He is able to fight crime on any scale. Our featured supporter this week, Alex Gossett. So we thank him, and we thank all of you who are supporters at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. I'm really excited to let you guys know about something. If you're headed out to Anaheim for Star Wars Celebration, number one, take pictures and send to me. And, uh, you know, rub it in my face that you're there. Number two, if you're so inclined. Now, at the last celebration, I was blessed to be a part of the Celebration of Worship. Greg Fields uh, got in touch with me and, and said, is this something you'd be interested in doing? And really, you know, he was on the ball. He was very much working hard to get everything done and make sure all the D's were, all the D's were crossed, all the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted. And, uh, so they're doing it again for this celebration, a celebration of worship hosted by Hero Ministries. And, uh, they're going to be doing a special service that Sunday morning, April 19th at the Hilton Anaheim in the Huntington Room on the fourth floor. The service will start at 8 a.m., arrive early, grab a seat, and they'll be ending by 9.30 to ensure that everyone has time to get over to the main hall of the convention center before the doors open. The speaker is Craig Batts. Now, Craig is the pastor of Cross Timbers Free Will Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and I met Craig at Star Wars Celebration 5. Man, this dude's great. He's going to do a great job. And if you're at Celebration and you you want that uh, that worship service experience that Sunday morning, you know, you're going to be away from your church. I can't suggest enough to go hear Craig, man. He's going to, he's going to bring it and he's going to do a good job. He's also a member of the 501st since 2010 and a member of the Rebel Legion since 2009. Uh, he's the chaplain or has served as chaplain um, for Stephen Stanton's Facebook group for several years. So Craig is not only a fan, but he's very active in the fan community. Uh, and you guys know what Rebel Legion and the and the 501st, what they do for charity and that sort of thing. But Stephen Stanton has just created this great community via his Facebook page, and uh, and Craig's one of the people that they, they begin to connect folks with as they kind of open up and share stuff about what's going on in their life. 
So, uh, and, and he's done this stuff at conventions before. He's done the worship service kind of stuff before, and Craig does a great job. Uh, also, Stephen Weiss uh, will be there. He's the founder of Fans for Christ and author of the book God Loves the Freaks. He's a voice actor, musician, author, and an all-around geek. And Aaron Welty, who's a former Capitol Hill staffer, uh, FENX pilot, geek culture junkie, motivational speaker. He's full of surprises. He'll have special introduction uh, by his by his friend and our friend, my personal friend, uh, James Arnold Taylor. So that's 8 a.m. on the Sunday of celebration in the Huntington Room on the fourth floor at the Hilton Anaheim. So make sure that if you want to be a part of that, you are uh, Celebration of Worship this year at Star Wars Celebration. I hate that I'm missing it. I'm going to be honest with you. It was such a huge, great experience. That moment, that that time at Celebration 5 is what made Celebration 5 worth going for me. And if I were able to be out in Anaheim, I would completely throw all of these guys off the stage and uh <laughs> and take their place as best i can so uh so be praying for that be looking forward to that and if you're in anaheim and that's something you want to be a part of make sure that you are a part of that that morning they you know just like last time try to get done so that you can get into the convention center on that sunday morning uh before the doors open and uh and let me tell you something you'll you'll enjoy it and you'll be glad that you were a part of it so just want to let you guys know about that because it is a big deal and it was really super special to me uh, the last time uh, we had a celebration and I was there. So uh, I'm not going to be there physically, but I'll definitely be there in spirit and wishing I was there. So let's after, hey, from that, there's only one thing to do. Let's jump into some emails. Andrew Queenan, AQ, from Grand Rapids, Michigan, chimes in first. Now, this is left over from the mailbag last time around. We've, we're, we're stacked up in emails, so coming soon will be one of those shows where we just clean everything out. So uh, get ready, because we're not going to be able to get to all the emails we have on this show. Andrew says, Steve, thanks for putting out this weekly geeky podcast. You've ignited my fandom in so many things I thought I'd forgotten. I'd recently started, uh, I have recently started using the Marvel Unlimited app and love it. Completed the Marvel Cosmic Story arcs beginning with Annihilation up till the Cancerverse. I love Spider-Man and I'm now reading through Ultimate and Post-Civil War Amazing Spider-Man. Anyway, keep up the good work and may the Force be with you. I tell you what, uh, Andrew, skip on. I, the, the, honestly, the brand new day stuff, it, it started out kind of weird, but it got into some cool other things that went on after that there was a great venom story arc and um and they keep just messing with him and messing with him but man when you get to that superior spider-man stuff it just gets good and now the spider-verse stuff is happening and on the marvel unlimited app we're right at the very beginnings of the spider-verse storyline where spider-man from all over the different multiverses are going to be coming together to fight a threat. And something like that's actually happening in the cartoon right now, in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. So uh, it's it's pretty cool to see that kind of synergy there at Marvel. They're doing their they're doing their work. They're doing their due diligence to try to make sure that 
that things are lining up. But man, uh, Andrew, I tell you, the Annihilation Wave was really, or Annihilation was really cool to me. And that spun off a lot of different things in the cosmic side of the Marvel Universe. I will say, as I've been reading, what I'm not really digging is is how we're leading into this Secret Wars thing that's coming this year. I, I'm More and more, I'm kind of liking the concept of Secret Wars, as long as we'll get back to a good status quo afterwards. But what we're getting leading up to that is very few people are likable. I'll tell you what happened in the Fantastic Four in the most recent issue that I've read. Uh, Miss Marvel, also she's calling herself now the She-Thing, is back. And that's huge to me as someone who was reading hard and heavy when the Fantastic Four was comprised of not just four, but actually five people, including uh, Sharon Ventura, Miss Marvel, the She-Thing. Back in the day, she was uh, lovers with Ben Grimm, the Thing. And uh, things went south, as they say. And and I'm and I kind of got lost in the mix. So what I what I really need to do is go back and read a little bit more Fantastic Four from after around the time I dropped off to see what finally happened to her, and kind of figure out what her story was after uh, I don't know around issue three sixty ish or something. So, but anyhow, Andrew, I'm glad you're loving Marvel. I've been loving my Marvel comics, and I say it, I'll say it from the rooftops. If uh, if DC does an app like this, I will be on board. Straight up. Uh, Cody Murphy chimes in. Oh, wait, no. I didn't I didn't uncheck this from last time. Oh, wait. Cody did chime in. Now, guys, you remember, you remember our friend Cody, ladies and gentlemen, uh, from the last episode or from the last couple of episodes. Cody actually asked Rena out. Uh, Rena, who had emailed in asking to give him a shout out and uh we kind of picked around a little bit and cody um cody cody asked her out via me i had to do the work i had to do the work and i'm pleased to let you know that via the twitter cody let me know that rena said yes yes deep inside of me just don't realize what you do to me. Everyone sing along. When you hold me in your arms so tight, let me know. I forgot that line. Everything's alright. Hit it up. I'm hooked on a feeling. I'm how believing that you're in love with me. Now, look, I'm not saying love is in the air, but I am saying she said yes, and that's more than what a girl has said to me when I ask him out in a long, long time. So, well done, Cody, and well done, Steve. If I may just break my arm patting myself on the back, well done for getting that out there. Good friend, and I'm going to say long-lost friend, Jay Galchik chimes in. Now, uh, Jay was actually the host of a podcast back in the day uh, focusing on the EU, the Star Wars Expanded Universe. And um, Jay says, I haven't emailed in a very long time, so I thought I'd take a few minutes and send in some of my thoughts and opinions. He says, also, I'm going to need your help, but I'll get to that in a few. Let's start with Geek TV, Arrow, The Flash, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, Daredevil on the way, Supergirl on the way, and yes, even Gotham. 
I don't think Gotham is as bad as everyone says it is, but it's definitely the last on the list. Arrow to me is the best and my favorite. I've enjoyed watching Oliver's journey to becoming Green Arrow, which Stephen Amell has said he will eventually be called. One of the main reasons I love this show is the way that Amell has braced, embraced being the character and all the time he takes with his fans and charity work. Anyway, it'd be cool if you would have him on Geek Out Loud or maybe even uh, Miss Emily Bett Rickards. I don't guess I know who Emily Bett Rickards is. Now, which one is she? Um, I will I will Google that for you in a segment we call, ladies and gentlemen, not to be... <laughs> I have been slack in uh, in playing the bumper. So, uh, so let me make sure that we do that. Let me Google that for you. Emily Bett Rick. Oh, Felicity. Mm. I don't know if I could handle having her on the show. I would love to get Stephen Amell on. I don't know how to get people on, and um, I, I that's why I need. That's why we're in the future that we need a producer for the show. So we'll see. Uh, I you know what. I'm going to change up your order there. I don't know about Daredevil and Supergirl being ahead of Gotham yet because I've not seen them. I know that the Supergirl costume looks amazing. And, you know, big, big props to Warner Brothers and everyone at DC Television for not taking this huge departure and just being willing to go all out with a Supergirl outfit. It looks great. Uh, the young lady playing Supergirl looks great, and uh, you know it's definitely a show that I'm going to check out uh, when it airs. Daredevil comes out next month on Netflix. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I think that based on everything I've seen, it's going to be a little grittier than anything we've been used to so far in the Marvel universe. But it is, it's Daredevil, so it's supposed to be a little grittier. Um, so, I, so I'm looking forward to seeing how how that rolls and 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 looking looking for that. I would put the Flash over Arrow right now, as far as my enjoyment of what is going on on superhero shows on TV or geek TV, as you called it. Uh, the Flash to me is just hitting on all four cylinders. Uh, the costumes, the villains, everything about it is just I'm digging a hundred percent. Whereas Arrow, it's so serious and. You know, I always go back to one thing that Superman said about Oliver Queen in the comic books. And this is back in the day, and I know I sound like an old man when I say this, but he says, he always made me laugh. He was talking about Oliver Queen who had passed, and he just said he always made me laugh. And I feel like we're not getting that. I feel like what we're getting is Batman light. And I still can't get past the fact, it, it just hits me every now and again when I'm watching, I'm like, he killed some people, you know? Brick killed a guy. Uh, I just feel like you, it's hard to come... I don't know that you can come back from that. And I I don't know. I feel like that first season misstep was a big misstep in that way, in that direction. And, um, and But we'll see. I mean, I, but it's been great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not dumping on the arrow to lift up the Flash. I'm just saying that that's why, to me, I enjoy the Flash more because I feel like they've gotten it right from day one, whereas Arrow, they had to kind of find their footing a little bit more. Um, Gotham is one of those shows that I'm not going to dog on at all. I, I feel like it gets dogged on enough. I watch it, and I don't know why I still watch it. I saw where Jada Pinkett Smith said she probably may not be back in the second season. To that, I say thank you. That's a good. That's a great move. 
on, on their part. The only other suggestion I would give them, because obviously they're going the route they're going, is to make up new villains, make up new criminals, make up new mysteries, make up you know something else for Gordon and the G, the the GCPD to handle, and and not worry so much about trying to bring so much of the Batman mythology into things, because I think that. I feel like they're tying their hands, trying to really just hammer us over the head with the direction that Bruce is going and who all these villains are and everything. So, uh, and that's my biggest criticism. It's a show I watch and I can't figure out why I keep watching it, but I wouldn't stop watching it. Does that make sense? Um, okay, he says, now to Star Wars. This is Jay again. The very foundation of mine, yours, and so many others geeked him. Well, sir, the foundation has cracks. Oh, my Lanta J, you write into Geek Out Loud? These cracks started when the decision like closing down LucasArts and not bringing in Star Wars 1313, taking the comics away from Dark Horse, or canceling the Clone Wars before they were truly finished. Now, the latter two, I get that they needed to be done under the Disney umbrella, but I'm still not happy with it. My biggest issue is the EU going away. Yes, I'm one of those. But I make no apology that this is my Star Wars. Don't get me wrong, I love the movies, but I wanted more stories with these awesome characters, and I got them, and new ones. Not saying they were all good, but to me, they were everything, and now they're just legends? I just can't unread what I've read or tell myself that those stories never happened. Yeah, I know they never really happened, but you get my point. And with The Force Awakens coming in December, I should be excited, but I'm not. I've tried, I really have. I was hoping that I would see some of my favorite characters from the EU fleshed out on the big screen. Sure, their stories may be a little different, but there's Mara, Jaina, Katarn, and others. Wow, that would have been awesome. But I won't, I won't be getting that. I could go on and on, but I won't. So here's where I need your help. I need a Star Wars intervention. I need to be excited for The Force Awakens. I need to be okay with what has happened. I need to be positive again about Star Wars. Even Rebels only had a few good episodes. What? He says, I'm starting to feel that the Star Wars I love is dead, and that sucks. Help me, Steve Lawson. You're my only hope. Jay, I want to start by addressing the the LucasArts closing down and the Clone Wars going away. You know, I totally I totally get where you're coming from and and I was there. I was very um dissatisfied and unhappy with the way that the way that things went as that took place. I I, I didn't I didn't understand why they were doing this. I didn't understand why they were trying to take things away from us. I didn't understand why things had to go away. I just it it confused me and it and it disappointed me. The Lost Missions on Netflix for Clone Wars were fantastic, and I feel like an, an even better closure to that series than what we got in Season 5. But with all the dangling threads left and all the untold stories, I was really concerned. Well, apparently Rebels is going to help wrap some of that up. And Rebels is a return, for me it has been a return to more of the classic Star Wars that I grew up with. And I think that if you if you look at it through the eyes of someone who's been immersed in the EU for a long, long time, as you are, that you may be looking for more. But I feel like you've always got to go back to what Star Wars was was originally and, and what it was always meant to be, and that is a visual medium. And if you can find your love for those core films, 
You know, if you can if you can step away from the EU for a little bit and just find your love for what George Lucas, the creator, put on screen, I think you'll find that what you love about the wars isn't just the characters that you got to know in the years following Jedi through those novels and comics and stuff. But I think that what you'll find is is what you love about this is is the depth of mythology. It's, we hadn't even talked about the whole ring theory thing on here and, and, and all that good stuff. Uh, but there's so much depth of mythology to this story. And as you dig in, and pick it apart piece by piece, you find that, that there's nothing but excitement for that, that can be had for what's coming for Star Wars. Those EU stories were great. They were wonderful. And it was a great way to keep Star Wars alive for you. But at the end of the day, there was no real way... I guess there was a real way, but but new storytellers didn't want to be bound to what had come before, and I can't blame them for that. So now we stand on the cusp. We stand on the edge of a new era. We stand on the edge of something that could be incredibly special. We have the returning original members of the cast. It's going to be an amazing thing. So I say look out to that double sunset, sir, and be hopeful about the future. I hope that helped, Jay. I hope that helped. Moving right along in uh, in the old email inbox. Uh, this one comes from Miguel. Now, Miguel is kind of taking me to task here uh, about some of my thoughts on the Man of Steel. He says, Dear Steve, love the Goldiverse. Been listening to you and Derek since Starkville's House of L days. Starkville, House of L. You guys are great. In one of your podcasts, you mentioned that opinions on Man of Steel are 50-50, but I have to tell you that's not really the case. And here's the evidence. Man of Steel gets an A-minus cinema score, rating by the general public. The best movie of 2013 in Screen Crush's second annual Fans' Choice Awards. Best summer movie, according to um, movies, uh, uh, Yahoo blogs. Uh, Superman Favorite Superman film, according to an IGN.com article from the UK. Man of Steel is among the four, the best four superhero movies, according to an AMC poll. Number one, The Avengers. Number two, The Dark Knight. Number three, Man of Steel. Number four, Iron Man. Uh, Man of Steel beats Iron Man 3 in DVD and Blu-ray sales. Perhaps most significantly, Man of Steel was placed as the third highest selling Blu-ray of the year behind Despicable Me, Despicable Me too easy for me to say, and The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, selling nearly twice the number of units that Iron Man 3 managed to shift. As you can see... Most people, like MOS, 200-plus Rotten Tomatoes critics, are not the center of the universe. Don't forget, critics have been wrong before. And uh, he sends a couple of links here, and I'm going to open this one just to kind of see. It's, it's from Film School Rejects, 10 classic movies that critics hated. Uh, one, uh, number 10 being Fight Club. Wow. Number 9 being the original Godzilla. Man, that's pretty good. Uh, number 8... Scrooged? Wow, didn't know that. Uh, number seven, Now Voyager. Don't know what that is. Uh, number six on this list, uh, Predator. Yeah, crit I can see where critics wouldn't really care for that. Number five, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, a movie I've not seen but I understand is um, 
is is widely uh, loved. Uh, the Shining, number four. Wow. Um, Stephen King, uh, let's see, Variety said it was the destruction of everything that made Stephen King book terrifying. Said that Shelley Duvall transformed the warm, sympathetic wife of the book into a simpering, semi, wow, hysteric. Um, number three, The Third Man, not familiar enough to speak about. Number two, Psycho. The one thing we would note with disappointment is that among the stuffed birds that adorn the motel office of Mr. Perkins, there are no significant bats. And number one, The Night of the Hunter. I don't know what The Night of the Hunter is. So he's 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 building his case, ladies and gentlemen. Um, he says, you know, haters make a lot of noise online. Many fanboys love bashing Smallville, but it doesn't change the fact that most people like the show. Like you, I'm a child of the 80s and love Star Wars. I'm enjoying Rebels and its potential, especially now with Ahsoka. Imagine what could be one of the greatest moments in Star Wars history, Ahsoka and Vader facing each other. I have imagined that. Could they go really dark and have her be killed? Or will Ahsoka escape at the last moment? Maybe she'll die by sacrificing herself. Somehow they have to explain why she's not around for the events of the original trilogy. What do you think? Thanks and keep up the great work. That's a great conversation as far as Ahsoka goes to have at a later time. And, and I will be having that at a later time. Uh, and, and be sprinkling in. I don't know. I, I maintain that season two could be very sad. I think that um, I, I think that maybe it, it, it could be sad for us all. As far as your Man of Steel stuff goes, you know what? It, it's true. I, I I just know when I'm when I'm sharing my opinions, I'm not hating on it. Again, there's so much to love. The cast, the score. Um, it's the cinematography that throws me off. The pacing's a little bit off. I feel like that... I heard I heard a podcast the other day where some people were revisiting it and talking about the joy that is there, you know, in the, in the moments of life. And they were trying to pick out specific moments of just him being happy or, or something. And I'm like, that's not the same thing as the movie kind of having a joyful tone. I feel like that DC doesn't trust Superman. And, and that's what I've come to. And, and even with this, you know, with what they were calling the sequel, the follow-up Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, it's what Derek and I actually said. I said, I just feel like they don't trust that character because I don't know that anyone has really sunk their teeth into the character that gets him. Um, Zack Snyder tried to play Superman as this alien, you know, uh, thing that everyone would be scared of and, you know, the alienation concept and everything. And... I don't, I don't know. I just don't... I, I feel like it fell short in a lot of ways. But it was... It was... A lot of people loved it. And I'm not... I'm not taking that away from it. And, I, and I'm sorry. I've said... Obviously, I said that I've mentioned their 50-50. But... And, and you're right. You know, you, you threw the numbers at me. Numbers don't lie. It was uh, more widely enjoyed than Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3 fell flat because of what they did with the Mandarin character. I really feel like that hurt it. I feel like that decision in the script hurt that movie for a lot of people. However, that doesn't take away from Ben Kingsley's amazing performance in Iron Man 3, both as the uh, the fake Mandarin and once he's just Trevor. It's, it is, it's, it's a thing of amazing beauty to watch Ben Kingsley do in that movie. But I feel like a lot of people felt cheated when they got to that point. And so it caused people not to go back for the rewatch. I think a lot of people went back to watch Superman again just to see well, what's the deal with this. Also, Superman had IMAX release. 
you know, to go along with the 3D and the 2D stuff. So, I, you know, I don't know. All I'm saying is, is to me, DC movie-wise hasn't really done anything yet to hold a candle to what Marvel Studios has done. And that's just my only point. And that's my opinion. People don't have to agree with that. I'm not saying that stuff sucks. I'm just saying that's that's kind of my opinion. We've got so, so many more emails. Uh, I just don't have time to get to because we've got so much other stuff we got to get into tonight. So I guarantee you in the next couple of weeks we'll have um, one of these... Uh, <laughs> one of these... Uh, clear the mailbag things however i did have a last minute email come in from daniel and indy why are you helping cody the girl he is after would almost certainly fit the taste of one avid podcaster your failure to see this makes me question your sanity so as your friend i say forget cody and get this girl's number listen i'm not going to step over cody to get to rena because they know each other they have an established relationship and they're a lot younger than me daniel so age age does matter to this old fat podcaster um I tell you what, one of the things I am just mega excited about, it's that time of year again. It's it's time for the This Is Madness tournament on StarWars.com. StarWars.com every March to celebrate March Madness, as we know in college basketball, does the This Is Madness tournament over at StarWars.com where people vote in the brackets in the past. It's been like the the toss-up between Darth Vader and Yoda. Well, I had last night as as this thing was kind of getting launched, I was still on the line with one Teresa Delgado, and we decided to talk about it. All right, so uh, in an impromptu situation here in the Goliverse, last year I, I followed these right down. We did it week to week, and of course this year will be no different. But this is the This Is Madness tournament uh, at StarWars.com. Teresa Delgado and I were having a bit of a post-show meeting after Disney Vault Talk, and she brought this up, and we got to looking at these brackets. And on the eve of the voting starting, uh, you can head to StarWars.com slash this hyphen is hyphen madness or just go to thisismadness.starwars.com, I think is the best way to get there. And uh, you'll see the brackets. You'll see how to vote. And, uh, man, we've got the rule of 32 coming in, uh, Teresa, and we've already kind of talked through some of these. You want to go light side or dark side first? You want to just go from the top down? Yeah, we'll just go from top down. So, so what we're voting for in the first round are for these play-in positions. And uh, R2-D2 will be up against whoever gets in that in that slot. I Chopper. Well, what happens in an R2 versus Chopper? I think, I think based on, because I keep coming back to the casual fans or the casual Star Wars fan, the general Star Wars fan is going to be voting in this thing. And I think that R2 get, takes it over Chopper. Even if that, the play-in is Chopper, which I think it might be. Yeah. And if it wins, if it wins, if he wins, she, it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think he's a he. I think they've called him a he before. I'm going to call him a he. So I uh, think R2 would win. I, but I, I do too. But this next one breaks my heart. I can't. <laughs> in the two and three bracket here, uh, in the Rebels bracket, 
Leia and Hera. Uh, I Hera. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm going to vote Hera. I'm vote Hera. I understand, I'm going to vote Hera, but I do think Leia will pull it out. I think that Leia will end up getting that win. Um over that down in the Jedi bracket, Obi Wan Kenobi versus a play in. What a light side play in could there be? Is Luke in this thing at all yet? No. Then it's probably. Don't you think it'll probably end up being Obi Wan versus Luke? Could be, but there's no Ahsoka in this either. That's true. Could Ahsoka, but could Ahsoka beat out Luke to get in the Jedi? Probably not. Bracket. I mean, I, I really think that he's got that Luke Skywalker has to be out there trying to get his way into this bracket. It's probably Luke. And so if it's Obi-Wan versus Luke? Oh, my gosh. They've got a picture of old Ben. Okay, and, so if it's old Ben and Luke, then I... And depends on what picture of Luke. If it's Return of the Jedi Luke, oh, then I say... Luke all the way. I say Luke. <laughs> if it's Tatooine Luke, then I say old Ben. <laughs> if it's dressed by... If it's shorty robe Luke... And the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what about if it's Bespin Luke? Hmm... Obi-Wan. Really? I don't know. There's that old classic in, in, in Empire Strikes Back picture of him with that gun pulled into the Bespin fatigues and it's just right at the camera. I don't know. Yeah, I'd but go that's Luke. not Jedi-y to have I a know. blaster. I know. I'd All go right. Luke uh, on that. Yoda and Qui-Gon? What? <laughs> Why? StarWars.com are you ripping my heart out immediately? I can't. I don't. I don't uh, know who to pick. Okay, it, I would pick Qui-Gon, but I think Yoda's going to win. But see, when I say I would pick Qui-Gon, that means that I'm not picking Yoda. Yeah. And which, that hurts. And when I say, does. and it vice versa, when I say I'm going to pick Yoda, it means I'm not picking Qui-Gon. Uh, but I would, I think I would in the long run pick Yoda. Just if for no other reason than the Empire Strikes Back and the scene with um, with him and Luke and R2 on the, on the in the swamp. Um, mm. I gotta go Yoda. Man, this next one just... I don't know It stabs do. <laughs> at the very heart of me. Uh, Chewbacca and Zeb. Zeb Aurelius from... What's his full name? I love it when Harris says Gera his Zeb Aurelius. Um, he, uh, anyhow, Chewbacca and Zeb. I, think I will tell you right now I'm picking Zeb because I'm voting for the underdog. <laughs> I understand. I... I have I can't I can't vote against Chewie as much as I love Zeb I can't vote against Chewie though so our votes cancel each other out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, the next one in the scoundrels <laughs> is uh. Yeah, this is the, I should have mentioned this is the scoundrels bracket. Han and Lando. Who do you go with, Teresa? Lando. That easily, just that mm-hmm. quickly. I love Lando. Well, hello, what have we here? He's amazing. I uh. <sighs> I mean, I love. Uh, I like Han too. Mm. I gotta go. I gotta go with the guy who didn't turn his friends over the Empire to be thought to be frozen in carbonite. I gotta go. Well, with but Han. Lando redeems himself. He does. He does. But Han never had to. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just because they didn't write it that way. I'm gonna go with the guy who came back and helped blow up the Death Star. Okay. Uh, in the Republic category here on the light side, the final one. Uh, I think an easy, easy victory for Padme over Jar Jar. Mm-hmm. Number one seed Pad. They've actually got him seated here, by the way. Number one seed Padme over number four seed Jar Jar. Uh, yeah, I think Padme will get that. And then Rex and Gregor. Now Gregor, he's the clone that was in the whole 
Gascon and the droids arc, wasn't he? And that, right. Okay. And he was a really cool clone. Yeah, I mean, he's... But I don't think people know who he is as much. Isn't he based on one of those Republic Commando clones from, like, that video game? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Rex will just take that. Yep. Um, and that brings us into the dark side in this first round of the Empire and Separatists. Yep. So Tarkin is up against a number four seed play-in. Uh, we were trying to figure out who that could be. Um, I, I'm drawing blanks. Like, maybe Callus, but I think he would win. What did we say? We said Ventress. We said possibly Ventress. Uh, she, uh, and I say that because there's no one else in the Sith down there. Um, there's no room for her in the Sith. Would she? I don't think she'd be considered a Sith, would she? No. Just a Separatist? So yeah, maybe maybe Ventress will make it in. Um, I'm sure they might have some other people out there like a Mahdi or a Yul- no no Yularen would be more in Republic. Um, because he'd be more the Clone Wars era stuff from what people know him from. Uh, maybe an Admiral Ozzel might be in there or or, or a Piet or a Moff Jarrod. Uh, but really, no one. How about the Wampa? <laughs> the Wampa. No one really. St- they should have a creatures category. Uh, no yeah. one really stands out to me that would that would come in and be able to take Tarkin. Maybe Ventress. Maybe Ventress, but uh, but I still maybe think... Ventress is in the bounty hunters. Oh, was she a bounty hunter though? At one point. Okay, she's done it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ventress has done it all. Grievous and the Inquisitor. I'm voting the Inquisitor. Me too. Um, I, I don't know that he'll win, but he definitely, to me, is a more compelling character than Grievous. Mm-hmm. Boba Fett versus... Is there anyone they can put in that slot that would beat Boba Fett <laughs> in the Bounty Hunter? I mean, no. is, is there anyone... I mean, you that, could put Dengar in there, IG-88. You could put... Um, I mean... Oh, what's his name? Bosk. Yeah. Nobody would win, though. Forlom, Zuckus... You could go even as far back as uh, you know. Into you could put Cad Bane. That'd be the interesting yeah, matchup, Cad Bane. Cad Bane and Boba Fett. But I think there's no one that could beat Boba Fett in that situation. No, I don't think so. Jango Fett and Greedo. Now this is interesting because you've thought Greedo over Jango would win. I just think a lot of people don't like Jango Fett, and a lot of people don't like the prequels. That I well, and that may very well skew the voting. I just feel like most people look at Greedo and say, oh, you're that guy that Han shot first. Mm. And and with Jango, you know, he's he at least has that Mandalorian armor going for him. True. So, that would be interesting if it comes down to Fett versus Fett. I think so. I, and I think that's probably what's going to happen. And in that case, you know, Boba's going to go out there. Uh, in the Sith category, Vader versus Dooku. The number one seed, Darth Vader. Number four seed, Count Dooku. Vader. I agree, Vader. And Palpatine versus Darth Maul. Maul. Now, Maul is your favorite. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wonder how people think when they go into this, because I just think of who do I like better, and I click on that. That's who I do. That's right. what I do. But I wonder if there are people who sit down and like, well, Emperor Palpatine was Darth Maul's master, and he beat them to pieces in that episode of the Clone Wars, <laughs> uh, which was B.A., by the way. Um I, I go with Darth Maul too. I like him. I think I like him better. I don't know Palpatine. Mm. Mm. I think I think Maul will take it. I really do. I think Darth Maul is is a surprising favorite character from the prequels that 
a lot of people tend to leave out of their arguments against the prequels because yeah, they like them so much. Yeah, but if you up, if Vader wins and Maul wins, then it's Vader versus Maul. Yep. And, then, you know. Then what do you do, Teresa? I, I vote for Maul. Oh, really? Yeah. Over Vader? Oh, well, over Vader in a heartbeat. <laughs> Did you ever see that Star Wars... Remember? Do you remember the comic book Star Wars Tales? Yes. Um, did you ever see the one where they did the whole issue was Vader versus Maul? No. Do you have that? I send do somewhere. You. I will. I will. <laughs> I'll send it back. Okay. Sounds good. Um, moving on down now into the underworld. Well, really quick. I have a reason for voting for other characters because I'm sick of this thing turning into Vader, Vader versus, versus Obi-Wan or, or Vader, Vader versus Yoda. Yoda. Yeah. Can we mix it up? Can we mix people? it up? Well, I think that's what they're trying to do. I, I really do. I think they're trying to intentionally set this up so that you get a Vader versus Maul. Then put so Vader versus Palpatine. You know? Yeah. Or something. I don't know. Well, I think the whole idea is that they're trying to get someone against Vader in that second round mm. that will that has a chance of knocking Vader off. Mm. So and I think Maul's the one. I think then maybe that's why they did what they did with Yoda. Let's see, Yoda and Qui Gon. Yoda and Qui Gon versus yeah. Obi Wan or whoever. Yeah, I think Qui Gon could definitely come out of that one, you know, and surprise people. Mm -hmm. um, down here in the underworld, Jabba the Hutt and Bib Fortuna. <laughs> <laughs> they should have had Jabba the Hutt versus Salacious Crumb. Yeah, poor Bib Fortuna. He's not going anywhere past this this uh, rule of thirty two. Uh, job is obviously going to move forward. Uh, in a more interesting matchup to me, Pre Vizsla of the Mandalorians and Hondo Anaka. Hondo, Hondo, Team I Hondo. I, I'm Team Hondo as well. Do you think he'll take it? Do you think he'll? I guess he will. I think he's more memorable than Pre Vizsla. Mm-hmm. And so I, so I think he'll take it. So. And if he goes up against Jabba, I want him to win so bad. I would love for Hondo to go end up going against Maul or Vader. If it was Maul versus Hondo, oh, I would. Would you be die. torn? You'd be so torn. I would be so torn. I don't know what I would do. I might actually vote against Maul. For wow! Once. Just to get Hondo on. Up. Just to get Hondo. Uh, over. Just to try to get Hondo over. I hear you. Well. It's, I love this. This is one of my favorite things StarWars.com does every year. And I'm glad you stumbled upon this while we were talking so we could do this quick little segment, Teresa. <laughs> well, I'm glad that I could well, be here. We might, we might call you up with some analysts, uh, with, some, with, some, uh, with some more analyst thoughts once, they've, once the voting's in. Yeah, as we start done. going, we can, I can be like a little thing. And That's I come right. in and we do a This Is Madness breakdown. That's right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Teresa. And we do think Teresa, uh, man, this is madness is kicked in big time. The now we did finally get our play-ins today, and and who we're voting on play-ins. And I'm actually been really surprised by some of the turnout. Starting out down in the um, bounty hunters category, sure enough, they stuck Asajj Ventress in there. And currently, at the time of this recording, she is in the lead with 44% of the votes. Uh, Cad Bane, just behind her with 35% of the votes. IG88, an OG player coming in behind two uh, basically prequel age characters with 20% of the vote and Forlom, bless his heart, with only 2% of the vote on the Bounty Hunter. So it looks like Asajj Ventress is going to get plugged into that play-in in the Bounty Hunters against Boba Fett. So she's going to get plugged in only to lose, unfortunately, because everyone's going to pick Boba Fett. 
Uh, on the Imperials and Separatist side of things, Admiral Piet, General Veers, Newt Gunray, and Agent Callus. Agent Callus and Admiral Piet are neck and neck at 29% for Callus, 31% for Piet. General Veers not far behind, 28%. Almost a three-way tie could, could come out of there if people start to vote for Veers. And Newt Gunray way in the back with 13%. In the most shocking of shocking things, Luke Skywalker is indeed in the play-ins round uh, for the Jedi, and he has 50% of the vote right now. Ahsoka Tano was leading earlier today, and uh, she is now with 42% of the vote. Kanan and Ezra are both on here with 6% and 3% of the vote, respectively. In the Rebels side of things, it's Wedge, 3PO, Akbar, and Sabine Wren. Wedge and Sabine neck and neck. I have to feel like that uh, Sabine may just be able to pull this thing out. Uh, with three days left in the voting, or uh, really four, right at four days left in the voting, Sabine has plenty of time to pull this thing out. All the Rebels fans will go over and check that out and uh, and click on her. So these these brackets already with just the play-ins uh, are being very interesting to me. This is one of those things. I don't follow basketball, but boy, I will follow Star Wars v. Star Wars character because, well, let's be honest, that's more in my wheelhouse. It's the This Is Madness tournament at This Is Madness dot starwars.com head over there cast your vote have a good time with it and uh let the bracket loving stuff begin I, what do you call that the bracket predictions yeah let that begin before we get into the hobbit uh i've got you just got to mention this announced today on starwars.com the title to the first star wars standalone film is rogue one and the one casting announcement we have in this uh, is Felicity Jones. It says director Gareth Edwards' standalone movie featuring actress Felicity Jones. Uh, Rogue One is the title. So she's, it says featuring, so she may very well be the main character. We may be seeing uh, someone very much like a Jaina Solo for all you EU fans. We may be seeing, I don't know. I don't know what that role could be. I always assumed Rogue One was Luke Skywalker because he was Rogue Commander in Empire Strikes Back when uh, when that fellow was like, Echo Base, this is Rogue 2. I found them. Repeat, I found them. So <clears throat> uh, I, I assume Rogue One would have been Luke, but maybe Felicity is Rogue One. And maybe I don't. Nothing's been revealed about what when the timeline of this movie is. Uh, it's just that it's the first standalone film. It's a, it's the title for the first film in a unique series of big screen adventures that explores the characters and events beyond the core Star Wars saga. Rogue One uh, will be directed by Gareth Edwards, written by Chris Weitz. The first actress cast is Felicity Jones. Um, the idea for the story of Rogue One came from John Knoll, an Academy Award-winning visual effects supervisor. He will executive produce along with Simon Emanuel. Kathleen Kennedy and Tony Toe are on board to produce, and John Swartz will co-produce. The film starts shooting this summer in London. It's due for release on December 16th of 2016. We've known it for a while, but StarWars.com confirms Iger, Bob Iger of Disney, confirmed that Ryan Johnson is indeed writing and directing Star Wars Episode Eight. Uh, this and the release date... 
for Star Wars Episode Eight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm happy to say is a May release date, May 26 of 2017, 40 years and a day after the release of the original Star Wars. So uh, they're they're getting back to that May slot. Disney is see this is the thing that they've done for me. Whereas in those early days after the Disney purchase, taking away the 3D releases, doing all this other stuff, they've started to write the ship and make things feel more and more like Star Wars. The only thing I would say is put Dave Filoni in charge of whatever story group you have. Put Dave Filoni in charge of the Star Wars branch of Disney. Dave Filoni has it. He knows it. He sat at the feet of the master and I don't care who you bring in as a writer director on these live action movies. They need to talk. They need to go through a vetting process with Dave Filoni. That's all I'm saying about that. So really excited to hear that. There's not much more to talk about. I mean, we could talk about who is Rogue One all day long, um, you know, and get into all kinds of speculation. And is that Felicity Jones? Are they casting a you know a young Luke? Skywalker? We've heard rumors of of like someone being cast to be a young Luke Skywalker and a young Princess Leia. So there's no telling. There's no telling where these things will go. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the future of Star Wars. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into our discussion. The first ever Goliverse Reads discussion. The Goliverse Book Club. We'll be talking about The Hobbit. Get ready, those of you who are listening live, call us at 912, when I say, 912-386-4294. Or if you've got me on the Skype, just hit me up on Skype. If you got an email you'd like to get in about The Hobbit, you can do so now. In the chat, we'll be monitoring the chat. We'll be bringing in our friend Bald-Headed Rod to talk about it when we come back on Geek Out Loud.
Saturday, and I'm seeing that bumper to bumper in traffic. Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Dan. And we're here to tell you about our podcast, Flicks. Flicks is a podcast that reviews the biggest movies hitting the theaters, such as... Captain America, Winter Soldier. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Amazing Spider-Man. Godzilla. Dolphin Tale 2. What? No, why would we review Dolphin Tale 2? The first one had Morgan Freeman in it. Morgan Freeman works with Batman. Anyway... We don't only cover the latest, we also cover the greatest. When there isn't a blockbuster hitting the local theater, we're talking about some of our favorites from the past. Movies like The Goonies. Star Wars. Featuring Steve Lawson. Gremlins. Terminator. National Lampoon's Vacation. The Last Airbender. Dude, no one liked The Last Airbender. You did. Stop derailing the promo. (sighs) Now, why should you listen to our show... Out of all the other movie review podcasts out there, because we really do love the movies we talk about. And because every couple of years, Steve Glosson comes on and talks Star Wars. Seriously, dude. Hey, know your audience. Fair enough. Listen to Flick's podcast, because we know Steve. In a world where some of the greatest motion pictures of all time are reaching their 30th anniversaries, one group of friends has banded together to take on these iconic movies. This year, we're exploring some of our favorites from 1984 and 1985. Each month, we tackle two to three movies and talk about why these are the films that will endure forever. In February, Ghostbusters, Gremlins, and Nightmare on Elm Street. March... 16 Candles, and The Breakfast Club. April, Conan the Destroyer, Commando, Red Sonja. May, The Goonies, The Explorers. June, Amadeus, and Muppets Take Manhattan. July, The Never-Ending Story, Return to Oz. August, The Terminator, Back to the Future. September, Karate Kid, Rocky IV, Teen Wolf. October, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. 
A View to a Kill. November, Starman, Enemy Mine. December, Revenge of the Nerds, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and Weird Science. From time to time, we'll also skew off from the regular timeline and release special episodes, but only if we feel like it. And you'd better believe we feel like it. Find us on iTunes as the 30-something Movies Podcast. On Twitter, we're at 30podcast. That's at 30podcast. And on Facebook, we're facebook.com slash 30podcast. Come with us if you want to relive your favorites. Yes, sir, we're back on Geek Out Loud, and you heard it right. Now, you guardians of the Goliverse, you know the voice you heard for the 30-something podcast is none other than our friend Pipes. John Reed himself has started up a show, and he's bringing his amazing Pipes and his love of all things film to the show, to the podcast airwaves. So yet another show in the history of shows to be better than me. So, um, thanks, John. Appreciate you. Thanks, pal, as they say. (laughs) Well, it is that time. We are going to get into this thing. I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring him in right now, but I got a busy signal. Apparently, uh, we're going to talk, um, we're going to talk some Hobbit ladies and gentlemen, and to help us do that is the founder and father, if you will, of the Goliverse Reads Book Club. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show the one, the only, Bald-Headed Rod. Hello, everyone. How are you, man? Not too bad. How you doing? That father sounds like a lot of responsibility. I don't, I don't know if I'm really up for that. Well, well I'll have to talk to Daniel and get some advice from him. It's yeah. Well, Daniel and Indy is the fatherly figure of the. Mm, I don't know that I'm even going to go there. Uh, I just want you to know, I trimmed my beard and and groomed my face just for you, sir. Well, thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Did you did you try some oil? I have not. I was thinking today. I've got to get some of that beard oil that Rod's been telling me about. Maybe I'll just uh, order some and send it to you. Do they have that at the old Dollar Shave? They do. Uh, well, you know what? You know, I don't think they do. I was gonna. I thought you were gonna say Amazon. They oh, so that. you get yours on Amazon? What what yeah. what brand do you use? I use a, it's actually called uh, Monster Beard, and they have, there was a variety pack, so I got five different uh, beard oils, like Zombie Killer and Vampire Hunter and stuff like that. So it's amusing when I slather up the beard in the morning. I will, I, you know what, I'm <laughs> going to try it out on your recommendation. How do you use it? Do you comb it in, or do you rub it in? Yeah, you rub it in, then you comb it. Okay. You, know, you, put, you don't want to put too much on there, because... Uh, some of it's got a pretty powerful scent, and you're going to be smelling oh, it now, all day. See, I don't want, really I don't want odor. I don't need the odor. Yeah. Do they have an odorless beard uh, oil? Yeah, you can get some that are lighter. Okay. But I mean, you just use a couple drops about the size of a dime in your palm, and that's all it is. So all I mean, right. you're only going to smell it for a few seconds when you first put it on, unless oh. you really cover it, and then you're in trouble. All right. Well, uh, I tell you what, I don't know how this is going to work, man. We're going to give it a try. We're going to we're going to see how this goes. Um, you know, and we may decide that we need to start doing like just a panel. For these things, month to month, or depending on how many people respond and, and call in and that sort of thing. Uh, but we're talking The Hobbit by J.R.R. R. Tolkien. Um, 
I was kind of surprised that this one was the first go-to book for everybody, Rod. I was not, actually. Uh, having been in a big book club before, it seemed like if there was a movie out at the time, a lot of times that was a book that people wanted to read. And sometimes it was, you know, in the case of The Hobbit, most people have probably already read it. But other times it was, you know, hey, this movie's coming out. I'd like to read the book before the movie comes out. So uh, I'll double down and put it in my book club, and then I've got an excuse for it. Had you, had you read this before? I had. I think uh, sixth grade was the first time I'd read it. Mm-hmm. And then I've listened to it a couple times since then, and then I re-listened for this show. Yeah, I read it uh, sometime, I th- maybe in junior high, but I know I reread it uh, not long after high school. Um, and just to lead in, because I'd never... It was funny, because I went through high school having never really read Lord of the Rings. And so I, w- I read The Hobbit, and so I could then transition into The Lord of the Rings and, and read that and, you know, love The Hobbit. Yeah, start over and brush up. I actually enjoyed The Hobbit a little bit more than I did The Lord of the Rings, and I'm sure people are screaming right now, but just my personal opinion. I, well, I, I'm kind of in your camp a little bit because I, not well. I don't, you know, I enjoy them so differently because what I really liked about The Hobbit was that it was just this fun, adventure-filled book, and you know, and it, and I guess it was originally intended to be for kids. Yeah, that um, was the way I understood it. And and so and then what I understood is that the publishers wanted Tolkien to give them some more. That he said, "I have more," and they wanted more of the kid stuff. But when he handed them Lord of the Rings, they're like, "Wait, this isn't like the Hobbit. Yeah, this is not at all." What yeah, we this wanted, is but... not at all what we were saying. But okay, yeah, um, I get it. But... And so when I actually started reading Lord of the Rings, it opens up kind of feeling like the Hobbit, you know, a little bit with the birthday celebration and. And all this stuff, and then it quickly just shifts, and I'm like, "Oh my Atlanta!" It's got dark in a hurry. Yeah this this took a this took a quick turn to some serious stuff. Um, so, but the, but we're we're staying focused mainly on the Hobbit here uh, for the purpose of discussion. If you want to jump in the discussion, if you're part of the Goldiverse Book Club at geekoutonline.com slash slash reads or over at goodreads.com, then he, then give us a call, 912-386-4294, or uh, hit us up on Skype if you got the Skype connection. Uh, we'll be glad to, to bring you into the conversation. You know, real quick before we get going, I wanted to thank, because I don't see her in the chat today, I wanted to thank Nicole. She has been fantastic on Goodreads, keeping the conversations going, and creating new topics and everything, so... I'm sure she's going to listen to this later, but I wanted her to know that I appreciated everything she did helping start this. Yes, Nicole Jackson. Thank you, Miss Jackson. Woo! Uh, so, <laughs> um, now, did you this time around? I actually listened to the audio version. I did as well. Yeah, which one? Because everyone was telling me to get this big dramatic version, and everything, and I didn't want that. I wanted, I wanted the book to be read to me. I I have two versions. I have the dramatic one, mm-hmm. and I. Don't let me see if I can pull it up on the iTunes and it tells me. Uh, Rob Inglis was the one I listened to this time, and he mm-hmm. actually, when it came to the songs, he would actually sing the songs, which was kind of a nice. Yeah, Jess Jess has apparently listened to it, and Chris has as well. I think that may be the one I listened to because when he started singing the songs, I was like, "Are you huh? serious right now? <laughs> He's gonna sing that song?" <laughs> I'm like. No, don't do this, sir. Please don't do this. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a nice touch. I, I, I yeah. enjoyed. You know, you know, most, rather rather than take the easy way out, just read the lyrics. 
Uh, yeah, Rob Inglis. And this was actually had a 1991 copyright on it. So this was a this was an audiobook that was produced before all the movies and stuff, but after those animated films from back in the seventies. Um, yeah, I have I, not seen the animated film. I just I've heard it's good to a point. Yes, and yes. Just, right off. Oh the man, listen for years and years and years, that that Hobbit animated film was kind of locked in my head as an image of what Middle Earth was, and um, for. For me, as a reader, then later on, those were the images I would have. But when I was reading the book, I would have like uh, Alec Guinness's voice in my head as Gandalf. Yeah, because you know he was the he was the best wizard I knew. He was he was old Ben Kenobi. So and, and he had the Jedi mind trick. That's so. right. That's right. That's right. Um, now. Uh, again, the number nine one two three eight six four two nine four. I'm going to roll through some of these discussion questions just with us two, Rod. Okay. If that's cool. Um, now, so you said you already said that you kind of prefer this over Lord of the Rings in some ways. I did. I, I yeah. This is going to be bad, but I, I, was it Jay who did it in the movie where they were talking about the Lord of the Rings and just walking everywhere? <laughs> I was like, it was uh no it was Randall was saying that. Oh Randall. Yeah, yeah it's just like oh just get there already. Well, I listen, I love the Lord of the Rings. Um I love the books and I love the movies. Uh and I love the adventure of Lord of the Rings. You know, I get that it's a journey. I get, you know, I understand that they're just walking. My thing with Lord of the Rings is what to me slows that trilogy down so much is the descriptiveness of Tolkien. Tolkien goes to great lengths to make sure that you are seeing in your mind what he was seeing in his mind as he was writing this stuff. He he was building a universe. And so to me, it does kind of slog down. It does kind of bog down. And I remember when the movies came out, a lot of people were complaining about no Tom Bombadil in The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And, and I'm like, that was my least favorite part of those whole books because it had nothing to do with anything else that went on. He never showed back up. Yeah, I think part of the reason I think I preferred the the Hobbit was, you know, you read it first and it was so much fun, and then you go into the Lord of the Rings and it's so much darker. And if you're expecting the sequel to the Hobbit, you know, you were expecting something a little more fun. Uh, yes. You know, show it up and oh yeah, my my companions. Well, one that's not companions. Who else you got? You know, and the dwarves just keep coming out one at a time. Yes, yes. Oh, uh, like just get them out here already. <laughs> yeah, but now that that dude was different than Tom. What? That wasn't Tom Bombadil. No, no, no. it wasn't. Uh, why am I drawing a blank? What on was that name? guy's name? I think I've listened to two books and read two since then. Well, somebody see, help, I haven't even somebody help me in the chat. I haven't even started on next next month's book yet because I'm trying to keep it in. Uh, trying to trying to keep my mind in the old. Uh, Hobbit realm of things, um, yeah. Bjorn, Bjorn, yes. Bjorn, Thank you. I believe that's spelled B J O R N, like Jesse, like a, like the Norse, like the Norse people. I had a friend named Bjorn up in uh, up in Minnesota, well, Minnesota. Good name for the somebody in Minnesota. You better believe it. Good guy too. One of the best. One of the best. Um, now I know some of these folks that are here in the chat were part of the book club. I know they were. Yeah, I know they read along with us, and so oh yeah, so I find out you were you were active on there, on the Goodreads, Jennifer. You were in there. Yep. 
And no one's no one wants to talk to no us. No one wants to talk to us. 912-386-4294. Let me put this in the chat here. Use the handy dandy keyboard. 912-386-4294. And uh, give us a call or hit us up on the Skype and we'll bring you in. So um, anyhow, going down your list here, uh, the, these questions some more. How do you view Thorin? Um because here the the question kind of leads you to say he's he's kind of a hero at the beginning, but by the end, he just you talk about someone who takes a turn. Yeah, you know I remember reading the book for the first time and thinking, well, I thought this was going to be this noble king, and he's kind of a kind of a jerk when he gets his money. <laughs> he gets so, on that gold, and he's like, no one's coming in. Yeah, he almost turns into smog. You know, he's like, oh, I took it back. It's mine now, and you can't have it. Well, he was after. I mean, his whole big thing though was the one stone. The yeah, the Arkenstone. The Arkenstone. Thank you. The Arkenstone. Um, and people need to understand too. I'm sorry to interrupt the conversation. People need to understand you're going to be here throughout the whole thing. So um, we got someone calling from the nine one nine here, Rod. So we're about to, all right. We're about to get a good uh, good group discussion going. All right. Who you? Who are you? And where are you calling from? This is Jennifer. Hey, Jen. How are you? I'm good. I'm from. I'm calling from Durham, North Carolina. Nice, nice. Now, did you read? You read the Hobbit along with us? Uh, I read it a couple. Read it like a year or two previously, but so I'm trying to. I beefed up. I read the Wikipedia article real fast. <laughs> <laughs> the old Cliff's Notes version. <laughs> right. Well, I, you know, I do have a master's degree in literature, aka read the Cliff's Notes first. There you, know, you go. So. <laughs> Yeah, I I remember when I got to college and there was all this reading to be done because I was going to go yeah, with an with like an English major, and I'm yeah. like, they expect you to yeah. read so much. No, and this was before oh, audiobooks I, were so available. So we, right, I, I have to read this. <laughs> not only did I have to read, I had to grade papers. Uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, I can't do this. This is this is where yeah this and this was back in the day for me. When audiobooks were just those things on a spinner rack at uh, Cracker Barrel. Oh, yeah. I remember the cassette, there were about a hundred of them, and you had, we'd have to change them every half an hour. <laughs> yes. Turn it over, change it out. Unless you had one of those cool vehicles, you know, one of those cool cassette decks that came along that would just flip it for you. And, but then you still had to change tapes out and everything. So, oh, and then the, it would unravel and the, get the pencil. Yes, grab grab the pencil, and then by oh. the time the CDs would come along, they were so expensive you couldn't afford to buy an audiobook. Oh. So you had yeah. to you had to read or, or catch the Cliff's Notes. So what now? Where does the Hobbit fall for you in the whole Lord of the Rings and the whole Middle Earth saga? Well, you know it's it, it's my favorite just for sentimental reasons. It was the first time I read. Yeah, I was in eighth grade, and yet we had to read it for English class. Oh, nice. So yeah, so see, no one ever you know, made us. Children's book, you know, humorous, fun, you know. So. Yeah, no one, no one ever made us read The Hobbit when I was in school, and that really bummed me out. Now that I'm, you know, now yeah. I'm hearing that you, because it's like, give me something good to read. It was all this weird stuff out of these reading books, and I'm like, I don't care about these stories. Um, I was in the um, honors reading, so maybe that had something to do with it. Oh, I also well. Midsummer Night's Dream that same year. Well, and, excuse uh, us. Yeah, so. Excuse me. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, we didn't. We didn't actually have anything like that. I'm with Steve. I, you know, they didn't really have us read too much in in junior high. It wasn't until I got to high school where I really was assigned actual reading. 
And then oh, when I got into high school, I decided I wasn't going to listen to anybody, and I didn't read anything they told me to read, so I was got behind. So. Got behind. I always, I always read things in college and in high school. I always read stuff that I was never assigned. I was reading, you know, so mm-hmm. I was developing my oh, reading yeah. comprehension and, and all that stuff. But I just, it's like if you tell me to do something, I'm not going to do it. It was yeah, just that. that's exactly right. Yeah, and then I got into sci- uh, sci-fi fantasy after The Hobbit, and that's all I wanted to read. Oh, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I was that kid that had bookshelves full of the Star Wars novels. I had, oh, yeah. you know, all kinds of Robin Hood books and Arthur books. I was just, I was a, t- yeah. I had to hide my books in my dresser drawers because my dad thought books on shelves looked messy. Wow. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, oh. yeah no. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Dad. <laughs> he would have hated, he would have hated the old East Wing in the, in, in the Beast Castle and Beauty and the Beast. Oh, I know. He's been like, no. This is the mess. He hates libraries. He walks in libraries like, this is the messiest place ever. Give me the vacuum cleaner. Get rid of this stuff. <laughs> um, well, so so you really dug this. Who were some of your favorite characters out of out of this? Do you remember any of them other than Bilbo? Well, the um, well, you know, Thorin, obviously, and right. then, all the rest of the dwarves seem to kind of roll together in in their brain. They do a little bit. I can't keep yeah, up. Do. I can't keep up with their names to save my life. I know there's the fat one, the sleepy one, the one with the beard. Well, the, they all have beards. They all have beards. Yeah, yeah. Mentioning yeah. his beard. Yeah. So the old yeah. one, the old one, the young one, Thorin, yeah. the fat one, and then the others. The brothers. Yeah, the, the happy. Yeah, the brothers. Right the happy one. Uh, the lookouts. <laughs> oh, the, they're like the seven dwarfs, then, aren't they? <laughs> they kind of are, now that I'm thinking about it. Come on, Tolkien, get original with your dwarf names now. Uh, seriously, that was about, wasn't about the same time? I don't even remember. They were all rhyming and stuff, all their names. I, I remember... I remember... I never saw the movie. I haven't seen the movie yet. Okay. This isn't This isn't feeding... This isn't uh, influencing me at all. I've, Good. I, I'm, I'm not allowed to see the movie until I can watch all three of them in a row. Well, okay. So... Yeah. I started the first movie and I have not finished. Well, I always first. think of you know what, what Schmidt does in New Girl. If you wanted to see a forty-five minute din- dinner scene, you know. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I, when I first heard that they were making three. I was like, "Why are they taking the shortest There's book the and time. making three movies out of it? That just does not." It's a children's book, and you. I mean, in the three, I mean, you know. Dollar signs. They just want my money. I think that's what that, you know. Some, yeah. Didn't get mine. Well, I think I think. Well, what they oh, no. End- well, no, I I don't have time to go see movies. <laughs> well, what they ended up doing with it was they took all the stuff that was in the appendices. So there are those moments in time where Gandalf is not with the party. You know, while yeah. they're going through Mirkwood or whatever, Gandalf is right. is gone, and so he what these up at strategic places, right? So. Right, but what and what the movies do is they take you on every little side note bar that Gandalf is on. Oh, is that like fan fiction, or did Tolkien actually come up with that? It's from all the appendices and stuff, I believe. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I never did read those. Okay. Yeah, yeah at the, those. you know, I never read those either. At the tail end of Lord of the Rings, I'm like, well, I've got the story. Why do I need all this fill-in crap? <laughs> That's supplementary. I don't need to read that. That's supplemental material. Yeah, exactly. I'll I'll skim it just to say that I read it. That's right. Because because I have to. I have to finish it. I I will say appendices just to sound intelligent to people. That's right. Oh no, you see, you could have been fine in grad school. That's right. Well, there you go. Um, 
what what's your take on Gollum just out of the Hobbit? Now, not from the Lord of the Rings, but from what you remember of the Hobbit. Do you how right. how do you feel about him back in the day? Well, he he actually he's my favorite character in the Hobbit because he's a I always saw him as a you know as a a dark reflection of of Bilbo himself, right? So, um, and then Bilbo's fighting his his deepest you know uh, his deepest fears down there and his you know his own personal mm-hmm. these are things he doesn't like about himself that he has to face down there. So, uh, and you know and the, the riddles fascinated me. So, I'm, I'm a riddle fan myself. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I. <laughs> I never, I never saw Gollum as a dark reflection of Bilbo. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was like because it's in the dark. I thought the was slapping you in the face with it. Well, it pro- well, see, and that's how that's how I don't catch on to signs and stuff. <laughs> I'm not. I'm very obtuse. I could be totally wrong. I haven't even you know, but because at the end there, he lies. He lies to Gandalf, right? So he hasn't quite conquered his darker half, or maybe that's where the seed of that is buried. You know. So. Well, he does. He keep he keeps the whole experience from them. Yeah, he 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 twists the story on him and doesn't mm-hmm. tell them how he came into in, into possession. He doesn't even tell him he came into possession of the ring until he just absolutely has to. Um, that's that's the corruption of the ring, possibly. Or um, I see. That's a good question. Do you think, Rod? Do you think that's planting the seeds of of like the corruption on someone of the ring? I do actually. I, I, it, it I, I really be, do. Because, you know, yeah. He, because yeah. well, and it's also a common thing in shows and stuff. Something happens, right. and how many times do we watch one of our shows? And be like, just tell him what happened, and this would be a lot simpler. <laughs> yeah, that's the story. Yeah, that's the story of my life in graduate school. <laughs> just, just tell him, and this book would be over. <laughs> that's right. Well, the, yeah, I can't tell you how many times watching Smallville for ten years, I was like, oh, just, yeah, don't just even, tell yeah. him, <laughs> just tell him, just be honest with one another. <laughs> Quit, Let's quit not talk it. about our feelings. Oh, look at the drama! The drama. But you know what? The, him not telling them about the ring didn't really create any drama so much as it caused him to be elevated in their eyes as being a better burglar. That's that's true. And being better at his job than they thought he would be. So burglar, that still cracks me up. <laughs> that it, what the burglar? The idea of him being a burglar. Yeah, because you know, in the beginning, he's just still a burglar. He's never stolen anything in his life. So. He's just, he's just a, he's just yeah, a simple guess, Okay. <laughs> yeah, and he just he jumps right into it. You know, well, I shouldn't say jumped right into it. He was very reluctant at first, and it was, it was fun to watch his kind of transformation from this. Well, I guess I'll go. You know, what else am I doing to really becoming an active member in the party and saving them multiple times? But, you know, the beginning of you know he's very and hobbits in general are very against adventure and against excitement, and then you know they're very. But you know he he likes maps and he likes princesses and princess stories and well, he's, how much did he really have to be talked into it you know <laughs> yeah well he's a took and the tooks have that oh, wander the wanderlust or oh, whatever that's right, that's right. I forgot about t- that that's from was, I remember that from the, Lord of the Rings right yeah was it the took the tooks my... yeah yeah it was it was uh, it was his mom's he had the, he had the old took in him but but he also had that's the right. bag his inside side. that's right yeah, his mother's yeah. side he was he was a took on his mother's side. And, and that's right, and yeah, I I really thought it was interesting because he does he goes from being this reluctant he doesn't even know why he he scuttles out the door you know and and ends up running down the road to go catch up with the dwarves by eleven o'clock that morning, and by the end of it he's 
he's trying to think of his, you know, he's taking the role. He's like, I'm the only one who can fix this situation now. I have to insert myself here. I have to do this. And, um, and it's, yeah, it's a complete turnaround for this character. I think it's one of the things that I love about it is because we do get to see the progression of Bilbo, but not so far away from that, that by the time, you know, as he's on the journey home, you know, he talks about just that the call of being the bag inside of him just kept rising back up. The closer he got to home, the more ready he was to be home. He does talk about that in, in Lord of the Rings, too, if he's oh, 111, is that right? Years old? Uh, uh, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. When he's 111, as it were. 111, that's right, right. Yeah. That's right. That means 111, right? So. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. So. And he likes half as, how does he say it? Never mind. We're not talking Lord of the Rings. We're talking the Hobbit. So. Oh, I know. Right, right. Yeah, yeah that's, it's easy to do that, right? There. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, Jen, who's, who do you think the bad guy in this, the, the antagonist in this story is? Is it all smog? Or, I mean, because he dies kind of toward the, the middle end of the right, thing. Right, it, there and back again, right? So, yeah. Is everything, uh, is everything after smog just typical falling action or? No. Because if you draw, you know that graph that you draw with the rising action. That's the story, right. right? So yeah. See, I'm trying to graph that. It, it definitely clearly builds to the smog. Mm-hmm. And then it, you know, and that's that's where the climax is, right? But uh, because of that Gollum bit and because uh, of the lie that he tells to Gandalf, which is a really big switch for the character because they really make a big deal out of hobbits being pure. Mm-hmm. Like even in Lord of the Rings, you know, hobbits come from this side. They, they just don't, they might be mischievous, but they're definitely not evil yeah in any way i don't like i don't, I don't like bringing up like good and evil but i think Tolkien really meant that they're not evil they're, they're not right they're the antithesis of that right so um because of that if you read between the lines there's actually a second kind of a second climax where, when he gets the ring from Gollum, hmm. where he kind of turns he, he turns a little dark so when they're on their way but that bad you can kind of see where i tried to look again in that second half if i could see again where maybe where the darkness still was and I was trying to figure out if it was from the ring, but then I didn't get a second chance to read it through, so I have to do a second read. I, I think it. Second. I really do think that if anything, it's just his his willingness to rush headlong into things. He he becomes a lot more brazen in in a lot he was of ways. Looking for an adventure, honestly. He yeah. Really was. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um. Is, is that just the because you know the ring corrupts? It has to corrupt. It, it always does. Right. Because it it is evil, right? So. And it can't do anything else but be evil. So, uh, and hobbits are very resistant to it. And that's you know Frodo. You would see that Frodo. But he he also he succumbs to it, doesn't he? So, uh, in the end, but he really does. And if it weren't for getting his finger bitten off, <laughs> I mean, let's let's be honest for a minute about Frodo. If Frodo didn't get well, his finger let bitten that off. Ring go, he really would not have. I don't believe he would have. No, so. if, if Frodo hadn't got his finger bitten off, uh, Sauron would be ruling the world. Yeah. Yep. Everybody always right. views Frodo as the hero in that, or not everybody, but a lot of people always view Frodo as the hero, and I really never thought he was. Mm-mm. I think Sam's your big hero in that story. Yeah. Oh, it, it was kind of weird. It's Sam. Yeah, and Gollum, yeah. too, a little bit at the, at the end there. And Sam was always kind of yeah. written in the background, almost, in that. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting he, to have he, a hero he that was not. have gotten that far without Sam. That's clear. No, oh sure. Well, and he even says that, you know. And I don't think that Frodo ever was evil. I, I mean, I think in the movie, no, 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 no. 
I think in the movie they do, you know, he gets that look on his face before he slips the ring on right there, you know, at Mount Doom. That's greedy. It's a greedy look. Yeah, greedy. but it's almost a little too much of an evil smile when he does it. I think that, yeah. you know, I think that it was just the the power of the ring had overtaken him and, you know, and it was just kind of almost a natural thing for him to do that. So, uh, so why could Bilbo hold on to it for years well I think I think that has to do that has to do with the the true Lord of the Rings uh Sauron you know his his, yeah as he came as he came more and more back to power uh the ring began to make its way back to him in a more you know powerful way I also think it had to do with Bilbo just he rarely used it you know he was kind of off and, and as you get closer and closer to Sauron the the impulse to wear it, you know, the, uh, the dark riders, what were they called? The ring rates, the ring rates. Yeah. When they got near Frodo, then, you know, he had that desire to put it on. And I think that's kind of what helped Bilbo is those guys weren't around. So, and he just would use it whenever, I think I remember reading that he'd just kind of use it whenever he didn't really feel like talking to somebody, he'd just put it right. on and just he disappear. Just, he went invisible. That's what he did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't really want to talk. Like to these I said, people. mischievous. There you go. It's mischievous again. Right. So, yeah. yeah. But the difference between if a human got it, they wouldn't be mischievous. They'd be downright dirty evil. So. Right. Well, and that's kind of the point that a lot of them make about you know being being men. But Aragorn actually, you know, he refuses the ring when he Frodo does. offers it to him, and and now once again we're back into uh, <laughs> well, Lord a, of the it's Rings. It's a natural territory. progression. I mean, it, it really is. It really is. <laughs> but well, if, it, if it was fixed to, to to be a lead in, you can't. You can't I mean, because. It, you can't help but make draw the parallels and make if he was trying to do something with it, and that's what he was trying to do. So, uh, the whole thing I'm talking about here. So. Sure, yeah. sure. Well, Jen, thanks so much for calling in and being a part of the book club yeah, tonight. Thank you, Jen. And uh, and and stay warm up there in Durham. I think you guys are still a little chilly up there where you're at, aren't you? We were 60 today. Um, oh, nice. But, uh, you know, I'm from Cleveland, so shorts weather for me, I have now. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, I'm a fatty, so that's shorts weather for me. So, <laughs> but I'm moving was... to Galveston, and I'll never need pants again. Oh, so, old Texas. Yeah. Moving out to Tejas. <laughs> uh, well, hey, have a great night. Thanks for calling in, Jen. It was nice to talk to you, Steve. You too. Thank you, Jen. All right. Thank you, Matt. Bye. That's Jennifer calling in. Patreon supporter Jennifer, by the way. So thank her for that. Yeah, and uh, and uh, she's a prolific reader. I don't know if you've seen her profile on Goodreads. Uh, she's she's read a book or two. Oh yeah, well, she, I mean, you know, let's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not trying to call her out once she's off the line, but she really did hit us over the head with the fact, you know, she's a literature major and grad student and such as. Yeah, well, she's she's going to get the allegory a little bit more. I mean, just the fact that I can actually use the word allegory is is good that's for right. me. Let alone actually understanding. Well, you know, that's something that's that's interesting. I know a lot of people, and I, and I and I can say this because I'm a Christian. A lot of Christians have really tried to adapt Lord of the Rings into into allegory for a lot of Christianity and, and a lot of things about Christianity. When the truth of the matter is, is Tolkien never wanted these things to be that. Um, that was C.S. Lewis's bag, and. And well, Tolkien see, wasn't a fan of doing that. See, I, I thought that it was the other way around. I thought C.S. Lewis was actually an atheist until later in life when uh, Tolkien convinced him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tolkien yeah. led C.S. Lewis Christ, but on the on the side of the literature thing, 
you know, everything that C.S. Lewis wrote, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, especially. I mean, you read, oh, you yeah, read the, the Chronicles of Narnia. Was... Yeah, you read the Chronicles of Narnia, and it's nothing but Christian allegory. And that's something that Tolkien wasn't a fan of. Um, yeah. And so that's that's where, you know, the tension between those two would come later on. Wasn't necessarily because C.S. Lewis was so outspoken about his beliefs, but because of his literature and the fact that he, you know, he did that. Now, C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest Christian thinkers of all time, if you want to be challenged in your thought process, just your philosophy of religion, uh, read Mere Christianity. Uh, Lewis makes a lot of great points in the case for Christianity, but he also goes in depth about then what does it mean if you are a Christian. Um, but we're not here to talk about C.S. Lewis. We're here to talk about Tolkien's The Hobbit. So uh, I want to get back on this whole climax thing. Is the climax smog or is the climax the Battle of the Five Armies? I really felt like it was the Battle of the Five Armies, it, which was odd. You know, you'd think that going into this, as you're reading the book, you keep thinking, you know, once they, the dragon, you know, they get there, they're going to have their big fight with the dragon. And the dragon's over, and you're like, there's still a decent chunk of this book left. Well, <laughs> and what's, what was really, what's really surprising to me when you read it is that the, the party that you're following throughout the entire book doesn't face head-on with the dragon. The dragon ends up leaving and going and wreaking havoc on this little town that they came into, you know, and it's just like, and so, and they're just up there enjoying the spoils of their adventure. Yeah, that's what? kind of, what, you know, the question, you know, Thorin being a jerk at the end, you know, he's almost a villain at the end because he he was so mad about this Arkenstone that it, it, the town's destroyed basically because they came back and, you know, they were like, hey, we, we helped you out, we gave you supplies, we gave you a place to to live and or to hang out for a couple of days before you went up there and then you woke the dragon he came out here and destroyed our town and you're not going to help us at all yes yeah that's yeah and that's the thing it's like and then thorn's like no we're not going to help you you know we got to protect this treasure and yeah. um and there was the whole getting word back to the other dwarves and everything i mean you know at the end of the day thorn is the rightful king under the mountain there's no getting away from that. That is Thorin's no. rightful place. It is it is his birthright. But on, by the same token, it's like you've got so much treasure. Help these people out. Yeah. You know, start start your return to this to this rule in a good way, and he just refuses to. Do you think it's just because he hadn't found the Arkenstone, or was it the gold lust upon him? I think it was the gold lust. That's the way I always interpreted it. Yeah. Me that. too, me too. I, I think it had less to do, and it wasn't until they had possession of the Arkenstone, thanks to Bilbo, um, that, that you know, that he finally started to kind of do some wheeling and dealing, uh, said some hateful things to young, you know, to Master Bilbo, to the burglar. Yes, he did. But um, but they made, they made up on his deathbed. Was, yeah, and I remember the first time reading that, thinking that Thorne was playing him. You know, like it was one of those... I'm all right. I'm just kidding, you know. And then he actually did die. And I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Kudos to you. Yes. <laughs> I was not expecting that, Mr. Tolkien. Yes. Yeah. Wait, well well placed. Well placed, sir, in your children's book. That, But it's, it's almost a fitting in for him as well. Because had he days, days, days and days prior helped out this, these people, then there would have been a more united front as the goblins came to attack 
Yeah. There were, who was it that made the line like, why didn't they just ride the Eagles all the way? <laughs> was, uh, that's I've heard that from several people. But then what this book does a great job of is showing you just how noble a race the Eagles are and how they really take to being ridden all over the place. Yeah. You know, they're not they're not a taxi service. No. And but it was just always one of those things that cracked me up. There's like that in every book or show. Sure. Sure. Well, I mean, when you if you start to really tear this thing apart and break it down, I mean, how many happy accidents does um does Bilbo have? I mean, he stumbles upon the ring, which we know later that's kind of the will of the ring, if you will. Um, he stumbles upon the Arkenstone. You know, he just happens to survive the ride down the river on top of the barrel. Uh, there's all these things that just kind of happen to happen, happen to happen to Bilbo. And, you know, it, it's one of those it, it's one of those things that yeah you've got to have those kind of happy circumstances uh, to have this go on um, we've got uh, let me see if I can pull him in here on I want to pull him in on a group call but I don't know how to do that now with this this won't let me it's gonna put you on hold if I do this so uh, let me call it. Anthony. Anthony Rice is going to chime in with us. I'm going to uh, try to call you right back here, sir. Okay. And not you. I'm talking to Anthony. Okay. And uh, and see <laughs> and and see. Let me. Here's what's happening, Anthony. I'm going to. I'm trying to add you as a contact because I feel like you're calling from Skype here. And uh, there we go. And now I can bring you in to should be able to bring you into the group call sir let's see call no that's not what i want to do oh there we go now maybe i can yeah here we go we're bringing anthony in blessed cheesemaker what's happening man now we need you to turn your radio down anthony all right i muted it how you doing man Good. How are you guys? Doing well. Doing well. Doing well. You're, you're on with Steve and Rod. Now, did you read The Hobbit along with everyone else, sir? No, I didn't have time, but I've read it several times over the past couple of years. Sure, so. sure, sure. Um, now, so how many how many times is several? Do you think? Um, at least two or three, probably. Yeah. Do you? Where does this fall into your rankings with all the other Middle Earth books? Um, I would probably say Hobbit is my favorite one. Really? Yeah. Rod, we're getting a lot of favorite Hobbits tonight. I know. That's... I was kind of surprised. I really felt like most people would say that the Lord of Rings were their favorite, which is kind of surprising because usually I do enjoy a little bit uh, darker tale, not to sound all goth, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the yes, Hobbit is generally happier than I prefer. I totally love the darkness of yes. the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer the humor in the Hobbit. Yeah, me. I, that's my take too, Anthony. I really mm -hmm. enjoy the 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 lightheartedness and the fun aspect of it. It it it's more palatable, palatable, palat easy for me to say. <laughs> so, hey, let me ask yeah, you. I first read it in. Okay. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, man. You first read it when? I first read it in school, and I just always remember some of the interesting questions we had and. I don't know why, but the one line in there about his um, 
what was it, Grandpa Bullroarer took that first invented the game of golf? Yes, yes. Where <laughs> he, I, 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 I did forget about that. What kind? Of, did he knock the goblin's head off? Yeah. Yeah, he, he knocked the goblin's head off, and it went down a rabbit hole, and <laughs> the goblin was named Golf, and they said he simultaneously won the war against the goblins and invented the and game invented of golf, the game at, the of golf at the same time. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've forgotten about that. It's funny. Like, there's a lot of little quips like that yeah. in, in there. You know, Tolkien, Tolkien, a funny guy, and... and uh, and it's just like with the tone that he takes and also the narration of this book is really interesting because there are times where it's it, it, it it's someone who's having a conversation with you telling you this story there's that's throughout and yeah, there you get the narrator sense of humor sometimes you really do and but you also get the sense sometimes that he knows everything and then other times he doesn't know anything but what's going on in Bilbo's head mhm and and so there's an inconsistent omniscience to it Oh, look at that big term, Rod. I'm impressed, but can Thanks. you spell it? Well, yeah, it's supposedly it? written from Bilbo. It's supposedly he wrote this story, so yeah, right. that's kind of interesting. Yeah, but there are moments where it strays yeah. from that, because I was really listening for that and looking for that. Like, is this really all Bilbo? But there are moments where it definitely strays from that, and you get in the heads of some of the other characters. And, mm-hmm. you know... Not so much that you. I mean, the I, I think the argument definitely is that this is Bilbo's story, you know, and him writing it there and back again. Uh, but but I, I the narration is a trip, and it's very it's very humorous and it's very conversational. I think that's the other thing that I like about this book more than I like Lord of the Rings is it's so much more conversational um, than Lord of the Rings. And I wonder if some of that stuff changed with how he kind of rewrote it later with to tie it more in with the Lord of the Rings. Did you guys talk about that? Yet? No, no, I no, didn't realize. I didn't realize he'd okay. rewritten it. Yes, when he first wrote it, what was it? Originally, the story he told that ha- that Gollum gave him the ring as a birthday present or whatever was originally the true story, what he wrote originally. And then when he came up with the whole background of Lord of the Rings and wanted to tie the ring in with that, he went back and retconned it and said, actually, Bilbo had told everyone. Oh. a lie in the story and that was the original story but the truth was that he had made up this whole story to make it seem like he was a more legitimate owner because of everything that goes on in Lord of the Rings I remember reading about that there's a foreword about it in the copy of the Hobbit so I he, have yeah 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 kind of interesting so yeah I don't know how much other editing or anything he did at that time or it was just that story he changed yeah that's, I mean, that's an, is that, is that our earliest example of retconning? I don't know. Well, it's thanks. Be up there. I mean, it's got to be there. It's got to yeah. be there. Anthony, thanks so much for your, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Why are you asking me? <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to get a conversation going. I don't know. God. Why? <laughs> Leave me alone, fatty. Uh, that's, <laughs> what, what, oh, well, talking about Gollum, Anthony, where do you, where do you fall on the Gollum spectrum? Is he someone that you feel sorry for? Is he someone that you just are like, he's just an evil little creature? You know, where, where do you fall on that? Hmm. Yeah, I do. But see, some of this is playing into what I see later in Lord of the Rings, too. Sure, I sure. do kind of feel sorry for him, and I always come back to um, Gandalf's line that, uh, what's his line about mercy, is what 
kept Bilbo from killing him, and yes. sometimes that's harder to give than justice or whatever. Right. So, yeah. And I do kind of like how that plays out later in Lord of the Rings, too, of that of the balance between whether you show justice to him or show mercy, and then it was because of the mercy Frodo and Bilbo showed him all those years ago that he was ending up help them to destroy the ring. Right, right. Well, he, you know, Gandalf was quick to say he might have a larger role to play in all this. Yeah. Um, now, Daniel asked me an interesting question. He said, do people get mad at Tolkien like they do Lucas and say that he destroyed their childhood when he retconned? <laughs> they should. I need a classic Anthony. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Me? I mean, I would have. Gosh. Why are you asking me? Yeah. Psh. Psh. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Um... <laughs> <clears throat> Anthony, how do you feel about all the songs in the book? Hmm. Honestly, it's been long enough, and I basically just know the overall story anymore. I never really paid attention to the songs that much. Yeah, yeah. And the same thing with Lord of the Rings. When you go back and actually hear it's like, yeah, there's a lot of poetry and songs, but when you're just paying attention to the story, I don't think about them as much but it does go into his world building and having all the extra information in there knowing all these stories exist and all these songs have been written about different things through the past and everything yeah when i read those when i read the books every single one of them i would at first i would try to read the songs then i tried in my head make up a little tune then i'm like you know what this is not pertinent i'm just going (laughs) to skip to the end of the song and continue on with the story. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially some of Aragorn's, what's the one, it's like, what, a couple of pages long? Yes, yes, it's so long. And on this, and in listening to the book, when the dude starts singing, I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. And I would just have to bump through. I'm like, this man, I appreciate his effort, but I'm just going to have to bump through to the end of this song. Um, mm-hmm. And so... Well, uh, Anthony, thanks for calling in and, and dropping in some knowledge and, and getting us on no the record thing about the Hobbit man. Hope you have a great night and uh, and thanks for listening, sir. Yep. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right. See ya. <laughs> oh, that's funny to see what Tad just put in the chat. I did not. Songs are like biblical genealogy. I skip them every time. <laughs> oh, Tad, let me tell you something. I, I want to drop some knowledge on you about some biblical genealogy now, but uh, check out uh, 521 Podcast for that. Um, now, here's what's really interesting is Stephen Michigan, who is a Patreon supporter, Rod, he's wanting to come on to talk some Lord of the Rings, and I'm wanting to get him on, and I haven't talked to him about this yet. Um, so what I'm going to have to do is... Uh, just call him out right now. I'm hoping that next week, as a follow-up to this conversation, I can have Steve on so that we can talk some Lord of the Min- uh, Lord of the Rings. I, I think that's a good thing to do. I mean, you call him out, and then when he says no, you get to make fun of him and call him a chicken. Yeah, you're like, hey, it's Steve in Michigan's fault. Yeah. You no, know, he has every right to be here. I mean, it's it's his Patreon, you know, reward. So. Yeah, and oh, by the way, I wanted to apologize for everybody last week. There was a mix-up, and that's why we didn't do this it, episode last week. It's all on me, man. It's all on me and Disney Vault Talk. Disney Vault Talk. Yeah. So we blame Teresa, who's not here tonight? I will blame Teresa gladly. I'm scared so, to blame Teresa. Well, don't worry. I, listen, I'd be more <laughs> afraid to blame Kristen than Teresa. I'm not scared of Kristen. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> we had some emails on this, and I want to I get to them real quick. Matthew Marks uh, just kind of answered some of the questions that you threw up for everyone in the Goliverse 
uh, Reads Group at Goodreads.com. Uh, he says he's read Hobbit many times, and uh, he read his ebook version for this discussion. Um, he says he says as far as where it falls in his rankings of the Middle Earth books, he says the Hobbit and the Silmarillion are like an apple and an orange, with the Lord of the Rings being some kind of apple orange hybrid. So I can't rank them. Even if I tried, the rankings would change several times. I think right now the Silmarillion is my favorite just because it's newer to me. I've only read it two or three times. Have you de- have you delved that deep into it, Rod? On audio, I did. Man, I, I've, I've started the Silmarillion like five times. It's and, a tough one. Yeah, and just and it's not that it's bad. It's just that I'm like, oh, I just, it, I, my head starts to hurt. Uh, he says, The Hobbit will be the book that I read to my son Timothy first, so it'll be a favorite in a different way, and The Lord of the Rings really captures what I like about both The Hobbit and The Silmarillion. He's, uh, as to the question of Thorin, he says, I would disagree that he's a hero at the beginning of the book. I think the movies cast him in a different light, which I understand and appreciate, but reading the book without being colored by the movie, Thorin is kind of a pretentious busybody. He's definitely good. His turn at the Siege of Erebor frustrates me, but I also understand it because the men and elves don't really represent themselves very well either. And then when he enters the battle and gives his deathbed speech to Bilbo, he becomes a real hero. Yeah, see, I think I always viewed him as a hero at the start of the story because, you know, almost any fantasy book you read, if there's a king traveling to take back his kingdom... Right. He's yes. a hero. Yeah. Well, and I always viewed him as a hero as well. In fact, when he was very off-putting to me in the way that he was cast in the movie as being very severe and everything. I, You know, I always just kind of pictured him, when I read the book, I pictured all those guys as being kind of happy dwarves, even though they were giving Bilbo a hard time sometimes, you know. But I never pictured him as being overly pretentious. I just always read that as he's just concerned about the mission at hand more than anything else. Yeah, he's just a gruff old dwarf. I right. mean, dwarves are always written as... Gruff little guys, angry all the time. Uh, there's a question that you you pose. We hadn't really gotten into. Do uh, do do you feel that Thorn and Smog are used as an analogy for humans uh, and greed? And and Mark Matthew says absolutely. I think Thorn and dwarves in general represent an aspect of humanity, just as elves and hobbits do. Thorn's actions in the book mirror what happens in the heart of someone who values possessions over people. Smog, on the other hand, is more of an abstract representation. He represents greed itself, or the temptation of greed. Um, I don't know. I think Smog's just a dragon. Yeah. I I've, really think Smog, for the purposes of this story, is more of a plot device than anything. Yeah, I think dragons are almost... In, when was The Hobbit written? 35? I think I had that at you one know, point. I should have pulled up the wiki, Rod. I really should. I've got it. In, uh, do, 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 do. But anyway, when it was written, how many books about dragons were there? I mean, there weren't that many fantasy books, so dragons were kind of... Well, I mean... They've, they've always been written as greedy, you know, sitting on their mound of gold. Right, right. Uh, let's see. The Hobbit is um, conception creation. In the 1930s, he was pursuing an academic... Oh, come on. Just give me the, the, <laughs> yeah. the tail of the tape, guys. September of 1937. Oof. Been around was, for a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've actually still got my original copy of that and The Lord of the Rings. Wow. From, from sixth grade. Nice. I don't. Um, I, still have, I still have the first book I ever purchased with my own money. I might have that around here somewhere. Was it a Star Wars book? I'm sure it was. It had to have been. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with my own money. Not money that was given to me for the book fair at school. Um, well, 
So, but uh, but yeah, you know, at this point, I mean, uh, dragons have been around forever, you know, in tales and in stories and in legends and that sort of thing. Um, and so I feel like this was just a way to remind us that we're in a fantastical kind of world because we never see them come up again, do we? In Lord of the Rings at all? I mean, we... Um, were they mentioned in... I don't think they were. I mean, Dragon versus Sauron. Who wins? I gotta go I'll Dragon. Go, I'll I go, go Sauron. I gotta go Dragon all the way. He'll just bust through that big old flaming eye. So, I think that's what should have been written. Is I would have thought that Sauron might have had some control over the dragons. But anyhow... Um, he Matthew goes on to say, how do I feel about the transformation of Bilbo? He says, I think this is a fascinating theme slash motif through the book and can be a cool lens to read the book through. On the one hand, you can look at the relationship between Bilbo's took side and his Baggins side and how they kind of alternate and shift throughout the book. You can also look at it as someone leaving behind an easy, comfortable life to discover his vocation or his calling. Uh, and in this case, Matthew says it's calling from God. God has a purpose for all of us and invariably requires us to leave our comfort zone. Speaking of which, I find there are many references to God and providence throughout the book. The way certain paths just happen to be closed, or the way seemingly bad events end up helping our protagonists move closer to their goals, and in fact, end up representing the only way they could have made it to the end. And then, of course, the idea of eucatastrophe, an unlooked-for and unexpected act of grace that saves the heroes. And no, this isn't the same as the, I never know how to pronounce this word, the deus ex machina. Machina, do do ex do do says machina. I don't know how to, because a U catastrophe involves real <laughs> characters and makes sense with the internal logic of the story. The goblins attacking at Erebor is actually a U catastrophe because it prevents war from breaking out between three good peoples, which would forever mar relations between these races. And then, of course, the eagles arriving. Tolkien said in that human history, the greatest U catastrophe was the coming of Jesus Christ in the world to redeem us from sin. So. Uh, so wow, Matthew got all religious on us. He did about the Bilbo uh, journey in this thing. Uh, he says he absolutely feels sorry for Gollum. I don't think that he's entirely without blame. His actions were not caused by the ring. He made his own bad choices, but that's no reason not to pity him. He ended up with a miserable, torturous, extended life. And the events of the Lord of the Rings really teaches that we should pity Gollum and other people in analogous situations. Wow, we're getting some big words in the book club, Rod. <laughs> Well, I mean, these people are supposed to be readers. Readers, you know? that's right. It was through Bilbo's and Frodo's mercy to Gollum, and we talked about this with Anthony, that the destruction of the ring was made possible. Yeah, and, you know, thinking back to, uh, I think it was in the Selma early in, or was it in The Hobbit, where they actually mentioned that, uh, oh, by the way, can somebody post the number in the chat, uh, that... Gollum did kill his brother, didn't he? His brother or his yeah, best friend. Yeah, that's to in get the Lord the of the Rings. Yeah, that's in the Lord of the Rings that, that that's mentioned, I believe. Because, yeah. you know, the whole name Smeagol and everything. Yeah, so, I mean, he he was a villain. I don't think, you know, it's, it's kind of sad what happened to him, but was it the ring even back then? I don't know. I mean, at that point, I, you know... I don't know. I, I honestly think that that was a lot of what was in Gollum, and the ring just um, decided to bring that out in him. You know, everything that, that he went through, it, it brought it out in Gollum uh, to do that. Now, with I, I, I'll be honest with you, I really do feel sorry for Gollum, especially when you're reading this and you get his reaction to the ring being gone, because 
it just kind of settled in on me knowing the Lord of the Rings of how long this ring had been with him and oh, yeah. and how attached he was to it. In fact, Bilbo, or the narrator, tends to think that Gollum is referring to himself as precious when we know that he's talking not to himself but to the ring. You I know. wonder if that was something that was retconned as far as you know the ring being the precious to him. It might have been. Might may very well have been. But um, I'm blessed, get on that. Yeah. Um, you know, and well, and sci-fi now in the chat makes a good point. It was the ring, he says, but the ring can be resisted if you choose to. I mean, you think of Sam. Sam had the thing when he thought Frodo was dead. And when Frodo was afraid that it was gone, Sam just takes it from around his neck and hands it right back to him. Yeah, and, and is is that just a testament to Sam's strength of character? I think so. I really think so. I, I think that Sam's whole thing is that um is is that he's so good that the idea of this he never wanted the power he never wanted all that adventure he just wanted a simple good life and and he could care less about the other he just wants to be done with it and so i don't think it was ever a, the burden to him that it was to to frodo because of that but, and so when they're going up Mount Doom, you know, he's like, I can't carry it for you, but I'll carry you. So, yeah. uh, Steve Michigan says he's very much rooted in his hobbit sense, is Sam. So, yeah, I mean, I think that we see throughout the story, there are people, even Aragorn refuses to take the ring from Frodo, as we've already mentioned. Um, Gandalf refuses it early on when, when, he, when Frodo says, you just take it for me. And he's like, you know, I, no. Galadriel, you. <laughs> uh, Galadriel refuses it. You know, when she says, I could become a terrible queen, um, you know, but now, no, I'm going to now be able to pass on into the West. And so, yeah, it, you can refuse the power of the ring. And so it's just that Gollum didn't. He was just not strong enough will, I guess. Yeah, exactly. He was a wuss. Uh, finally, nope. uh, finally, in, in Matthew's email, he says, my favorite song in the book is the Lonely Mountain Song, Far Over the Misty Mountains Cold. A big part of my appreciation is due to Howard Shore's arrangement of it in An Unexpected Journey. I memorized the whole song from the book and set it to Howard Shore's melody and would sing it to my son from when he was two months old to now, almost a year old. The song has never failed to calm him down when he was crying. Besides that, I love the way it tells its story, the images and feelings it stirs in Bilbo. I also like the similar song they sing at Bjorn's house where a wind is sweeping from Hobbiton all the way to the Lonely Mountain. It really illustrates how divine providence is guiding these dwarves and Hobbit on their journey. So there you go. I make no apologies for the length of this email. Stay geeky, my friends. And that's uh, Matt Marks uh, emailing that in. Um, the, you, we were talking a little bit about the whole providence idea and everything. It is mentioned a couple of times in the in the Hobbit that there are bigger forces at work than what these guys were doing. Yeah. Um, that there's more to this world than all the different things that even Bilbo saw. Hang on here. Yeah. Um, in the chat for a second. Okay. I'm, tr I'm trying to help Jess out. She's trying to call in, but she's struggling with it. Just Set. call the number on your phone, Jess. Um, so. I think that was a topic on the Goodreads, actually. was uh, Somebody started the topic of whether or not they believed there was a higher power in Middle-earth. I think so. I, I think... If I, I remember correctly, that, that was one of the discussions on there. Hmm. Uh, well, let me get over that way and, and see if I can dig it up. But I do, I think so. I think so based on what they had to say, what 
some of the conversation that was going on in The Hobbit. It's never really mentioned in Lord of the Rings to that end. Um, but but in The Hobbit, they almost blatantly just come right out and say, you know, well, there's a god. Uh, yeah. Um, but I do, you know, it, it, it's an interesting thing to think about that, you know, uh, with Tolkien's proclivities, you know, did he intend for us to know that that was the case in Middle-earth? Uh, uh-oh. Hey, call right back. Is this Jess? Oh. Rod, you with me? Rod, I'm sorry. I accidentally put you on hold there. Oh, that's right. That's my bad. Uh, gonna, that was Jess trying to call in, and I, and I just hit the answer button instead of, uh, adding to the group call like I was supposed to. So, I believe it was Jess. 716. Someone from the 716 area code. So, uh, so try us back again. You had it right, Jess. It's my bad, my B. I am, I am the failure here on this particular incident. So please forgive me, and please call us right back to drop in your thoughts about the Hobbits. We also have an email from Wendy Cooper who wasn't able to stick around in the chat tonight. Yeah, and this was actually Wendy's pick. This book was Wendy's. Okay, cool. She says, "Hey, Steve, Rod, and the Reeds gang." Well, before we get to that, let's bring in Jess. Hello, hello. Hello. How you doing, Jess? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Good to talk to you. Let's talk to you too. So, uh, so we're talking the Hobbit, as you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's uh, was this? Was obviously. Uh, let me ask you this: first time reading it? Uh, no. Okay. I actually, my dad read it to me when I was little. Oh, cool. And then I actually read it my by myself the first time when I was like in fourth grade. Nice, nice. Now did you read it this time around for the for the book club? Yeah, I kinda of skimmed through it trying to remember. I hadn't read it since the first movie came out. Right. So. Right. Well so what are your overall thoughts? What how, where does this fall in your rankings of the Middle Earth books? Um I haven't I haven't read the Lord of the Rings in such a long time that I couldn't really make a fair judgment on it. I'm sure. just going through them right now, actually, looking to them on the audiobooks, but Hobbit is probably one of my favorites out of them, just for like, sure, nostalgia reasons. Sure, reasons sure. Really. I think that plays into a lot of people's that, that we've talked to and heard from. Uh, it, it comes down to nostalgia for a lot of folks with this. Um, now, have you? Did you watch all the movies, Jess? Did you watch all the all three Hobbit movies? Yes, I've seen them all multiple times. Yeah, it, so you did multiple them. times, multiple times. Yeah. So, so you like, mm-hmm. so you like what they did with it. Um, I, I enjoy them, but there are lots of issues with them, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of separate them separate the movies from the book and enjoy the movies for what they are. Yeah. Definitely nowhere near as good as the Lord of the Rings movies. Agreed. But I still enjoy them for what they are. Sure. I, there are things that they fleshed out more in the movies that I didn't get from reading the books. Like, I didn't... When I had read the books, I didn't really get Thorin's, like, gold lust as much. Oh, okay. In the movies, they really showed that well, I thought. Yeah, that's something that I guess I had kind of skimmed over back in the day and just not really paid much attention to. But this time around reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, he's a jerk. You know, I had this memory of him 
of of being you know just one of the gang and mm-hmm. and then this time i'm like oh yeah he was a total jerk when they got to the mountain he really was so what yeah. is like I, re- a, I remember reading it with before the movies came out and not liking Bilbo. I was like, when I read it, I was like, why did, why did he not give the Arkansas the thorn? I was actually, <laughs> I did not like him at all when I read it right before I saw the movies, but then watching the movies, I was like, okay, it makes more sense why he wouldn't give it to Thorne with the, the dragon sickness, they call it in the movies. I can't remember if that's what it's referred to in the books. No, it wasn't referred to that at all. I, oh. And in the book, it doesn't really say. I don't think Bilbo realizes what he has until Thorin starts to describe it. And then Bilbo's scared to death that if he reveals he's had it this time, they're all going to be mad at him. See, in the book, he, he, he knew what he had in the book. Did he? I thought, I thought that he found it. Yeah, the, they, they were talking about it before they went into the, into the mountain. Yeah, but he didn't, it, it hadn't been described to him at that point. And and so he found it and he pocketed it, and then uh, Thorn begins to describe it to him. He's like, "Oh no!" And he's like, "And I would cut off the head of anyone who touched it." You know that guy. I like Thorn. Just like, you know, no one takes this but me. And so Bilbo's like, "Oh, okay. I'm just going to sit on this thing then." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, maybe he won't know. Maybe he'll never know. Maybe I can slip it in un- unnoticed into his stack of treasure later. Again, it's one of those happy accidents that you know saves the day really in a way because mm-hmm. in the book I actually found the page where it's talking about Thorin's talking about how the stone is of his father's and he'll be avenged on anyone who found it right and Bilbo's terrified because he has it wrapped under some like clothing and under his pillow yeah he's using it he's using it for yeah, a, pillow it's a pillow almost <laughs> yeah it's like it's a really comfortable pillow <laughs> and I haven't seen I have not seen the the last two Hobbit movies uh, to kind of see how it was portrayed in there but I'll tell you this the guy who plays Bilbo he played Watson on the the Sherlock show on the BBC mm-hmm. he is perfect I, the the first scene with him and Gandalf the, the good morning scene I absolutely mm-hmm. Love. He got everything down just right for that scene, mm-hmm. and uh, and when he's playing Gollum, when he when they're riddling back and forth, you know, and he's just he's he gets into it. He kind of forgets that he's in a he's in a bad way, and he just mm-hmm. gets into the game. He just does a great job with it. He's a, you know acting wise, it was just fantastic. But I felt like the story they they tried to pack too much in. But um, yeah. With the movies, one thing they did good is like they took entire scenes word for word. Right. Like, that whole first scene between Bilbo and Gandalf is directly from the book. Like, yes. I was watching it, I was like, that's exactly how it's written out. They didn't change anything that was said, which was, I thought was really cool because well, had- Peter Jackson likes keeping as close to what is written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then, but then he takes something as simple as like the contract. And has Bilbo read that in the presence of all the doors and just ends up being this long fold-out contract, all for a bit about everything that could happen to him, rather than it just being that piece of paper on the mantle, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, or the, the thunder battle with the, the rock giant. Yeah. that like one line. Yeah, and yeah, and they see it happen while they're on the side of the mountain. They're not, like, threatened. Their lives are not threatened necessarily by it. 
as it as it's shown in the movie. Yeah, that's true. Good point. That's another that's another one of those things. I'm like, why well, they didn't even have to add that in there. It would just been cool to see what they were seeing, you know, down in the valley. You didn't have to put them in in mortal peril uh because of it. But it, and it was cool to see those things though, by the way. So <laughs> I really should go and watch these movies. Like I said, I haven't done it yet and it's on the list of things to do, but well, in typical Peter Jackson fashion, they are long. Yes, that's what they I've heard. They are long. So, well, Jess, any anything else to uh, to kind of weigh in on on the Hobbit with us that you got on the um, on your mind? Well, earlier when you were talking about allegory and J.R. Tolkien's feelings on it, I actually found I had listened to the audiobook lately, and there was a quote in it about how he says he cordially dislikes allegory and all its manifestations. Oh, okay. Yeah, Tolkien said that. Yeah. Okay. So was and that was in that was in the Lord of the Rings. That was like in a foreword to the Lord of the Rings, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I I remember reading that. I hadn't read it in so long. Um, but yeah, so cool. Well, thanks for getting that quote to us. Mm-hmm. No problem. All right. Well, Jess, thanks so much. And Jess is a faithful listener, guys. Everyone listening. And we're glad to have her a part of the Goldiverse. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Talk to you later. All right, see ya. Thanks, Jess. Bye. Um, Back to Wendy's email here. Thank you so much, Jess, for calling in. Uh, She says, I really enjoyed The Hobbit. This is the third time I've read it. Well, I listened to it this time because I was lazy. From the very first sentence, in a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit, not a nasty, dirty, wet hole filled with the ends of worms and oozy smell. She says, I was hooked. Who uses Uzi as a description? Well, besides me, that is. I knew I was in for adventure, and I think it set the tone for this whole story. It was in dark places, sad in others. I'm sorry. It was dark in places, sad in others, but the overall tone was one of wide-eyed adventure and so much fun. I'm a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings saga, and this book was the first for me, Gateway Drug. It would be difficult to say where it ranks in terms of favorite because this one was so different from the others. In fact, when I began Fellowship of the Ring, it took me a couple of times to get started because it wasn't the same as The Hobbit. I knew right away that it wasn't going to be the fun adventure The Hobbit was. Nothing wrong with that, but it's a completely different type of story. With The Hobbit, the fate of civilization didn't hang on every decision made. While there was an epic battle, the outcome wasn't going to determine whether the world they knew would survive or not. Just an individual stepping out onto the road of adventure and taking whatever comes and hoping to live through it, all without a pocket hanky. And I think my tenses are wonky, sorry. She says, My feelings about Thorin are half sympathetic, half, oh my gosh, would you just shut up already? He's the son of a king from a long line of brave, tough, strong dwarves, and here he is just knocking out some tools or trinkets or whatever dwarves do to make a living. No land, no name that anyone remembered. It would be hard to live with that. I don't blame him for wanting to reclaim what was his, if anything, to make sure that a legacy was left for future generations. But then he got all snotty and prideful and mean. He couldn't have done it alone, nor did he, but he was sure to take all the credit. Yeah, the men and the elves were all up in his face about stuff, and they didn't help when Thorin's people needed it when Smog showed up. But still, why you got to be that way? But the gold had taken its hold, and that's a hard disease to shake. I think that's why Gandalf chose Bilbo as a companion. There needed to be at least one person there to sort of be able to turn the dwarves back when he'd gone too far. Now, that's something we've not discussed, is Gandalf's choice of Bilbo. Yeah, is it, uh, and I think Doc made a comment on the Goodread Goodread threads. It was I think meant as a joke, but I I didn't know if you saw that where he said, "So is Gandalf just supposed to be like Merlin?" 
Yeah. And, and, and he almost is. You know, he's almost got a little bit of prescience. You know, he can't tell the future exactly, but he seems to know that I need to get the hobbits involved. Listen to you bringing in Dune terminology. I, I did. <laughs> I, I've had a couple opportunities and I've passed. I finally went for it. Prescience. Yeah, he he, he kind of knows what's going on. But, I mean, to the extent of Merlin, you know, she mentions that Merlin, uh, Merlin, Gandalf uh, chose Bilbo as one of their companions because there needed to be at least one person uh, to to kind of speak some sense to the dwarves. Do you think it's that hobbit nature that he wanted there so that when they got to the gold that it wouldn't really just kind of cause Bilbo to go nuts? I think it's a good question. I can really... I. I can easily see that. Yeah, I think, I I think it's a fantastic. I think it's a fantastic point, and um, because it's never really fully explained, you know, Gandalf never really says. I just, you know, I mean, outside of I just thought you'd be good at it. I thought you needed an adventure, you know. Yeah. Uh, she goes on to say, while Bilbo wasn't super wise or great by any standard, he wasn't affected by the gold like the dwarves were. Probably the same inner strength that kept him from being consumed by the ring. Anyway, it took mild-mannered Bilbo to help Thorin realize he'd been a real jerk. I felt that Gollum was tormented. Yes, the ring was the love of his life as well as the bane of his existence. But the ring wasn't his only problem. The ring was able to manipulate Gollum to do its bidding. However, it was Gollum who ultimately decided to kill for it. I think that fact alone haunted poor old Gollum, making him even more susceptible to the power of the ring. The more bad Gollum did, the worse he felt. The worse he felt, the more bad he did for the ring. Vicious, vicious circle that made him miserable miserable, and yet depended upon the ring. I don't know if Gollum was necessarily bad, but he did kill to get that ring. Wait, do we know that now, or was that revealed later in Lord of the Rings? That was revealed later in Lord of the Rings, Wendy, as we've talked about. Bilbo didn't succumb to the evils of the ring like Gollum did, so maybe Gollum had a little evil in his heart from the beginning. You get a manipulative ring and mix it with a little evil, and you come up with a Gollum? The songs, to me, were a little tedious. You have to read them because it gives you little clues and tidbits in the lore of the land. No, you don't. I don't know that I have a favorite, but it seems that the ton of that the songs of Tom Bombadil were the ones that revealed the most. Now, Tom Bombadil we didn't get until Lord of the Rings, so she's mixing her mythologies here. So those are the ones I like the best. The elves were not what they seemed either. Their songs were a little mean. I thought they teased a little too much, poking fun at Bilbo. I think they call that bullying now. So I don't get a lot from their songs other than they told me that elves are kind of jerks. Yeah, that was that was interesting. You know, you don't see elves portrayed as no, that's true. That's another thing is is you know maybe some of the uh, some of the retconning, um, you know, is um, is is present with the elves because they none of that's present in Lord of the Rings. And, and she's right; they're jerks. They, they are. They really do. They're just kind of. I did well. You know what? I got the sense of. I got the sense that it was like just playful teasing. Like they weren't being hateful. But they're just so happy and so not the it's the elves of Rivendell, especially so happy and just so kind of out of touch with the rest of the world that you know it doesn't matter that these guys have had a hard journey to get there. They were just running from you know whatever. Um, that they're just you know they're just going to have fun and and try to lighten the mood. And the way they do that is just kind of singing about what they're seeing. So. I don't know. I don't know. I still think they're a little jerky. Okay. Well, all right. A little jerky. I think they're definitely a little jerky when you get Lord of the Rings because they're um they're very arrogant. 
Well, know? that's a common trait in most elves in fantasy books is they're always, we're above you yes. humans with your short lifespans. We don't have time for your that's right. shenanigans. That's right. No shenanigans here. No shenanigans or tomfoolery here. Move humans. along. Move, move it along. Move along. Move along. So, <laughs> well, man, we've been going for a while on this, and uh, I feel like it's been a good discussion. And I think everyone who's called in and chimed in the chat and the emails and such as, uh, I'm sure we'll we'll continue to morph the way we do these book club episodes as we go along in it, uh, Rod. But thank you so yeah. much for getting this thrown together and and being and yeah. and, and getting it started, man. Yeah, and thanks for everybody that's joined in. It's been fun on the Goodreads, and this episode was fun. And I uh, hope everybody votes for the next book. I think we got some good ones nominated, uh, including one from an actual member of the Goliverse. Yes, yes, uh, our own uh, our own Goliverse member Jeff Lane. His his book This Paper World has been nominated. Now he told me in a private email um, that I will now read. Uh, it's now ex- not so private. An excerpt from. Um, he said, uh, <laughs> I did tell him, I'm like, now look, we're going to be very honest with you. You know, if we do this, we're going to be very, you know, talking about it. And, uh, he says, I may have made a fatal mistake by saying that fans of Twilight may enjoy it. <laughs> it was more of an SEO play than an actual comparison. I don't know what SEO stands for, but, um, Sony online entertainment. No, no, because, no, probably no, because not. it's SEO, not SOE. <laughs> Um, he says, then an actual comparison to the sparkly vampires, but it may have been the veil, the nail in my non-vampiric coffin for getting one of my books read by the group. Um, so, and he, you know, and Jeff has talked to the group about what he'd be willing to do to help us get a, get our hands on his book, this paper world. And, uh, so we may be, but I know for April, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to jump in on this, our April discussion is, uh, the Martian by Andy Weir. W-E-I-R. So, yeah. I actually took notes this time while reading this book. actually planned ahead a little bit. Better oh, yeah? Discussion. Cool. Good, good, good. I've not read it yet, but I've heard great things. Oh, it's a fun read. So I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I say read it. I'll be listening. Um, so, uh, so looking forward to that. Rod, any final thoughts on The Old Hobbit before we wrap it up here? No, I, I think I'm with you. It was, uh, it was a fun fun little march through middle earth and a good introduction to the world and it was just a fun book that probably didn't need to be three movies oh well there you go so and that's rod's overall point <laughs> ladies about this whole thing it's it comes down to the fact that it didn't need to be three movies so no i want well, to watch two well rod uh where can people interact with you on twitter and and get uh, and get sucked into your silliness my silliness, which is usually with most of the Goldverse, it's uh, Rod underscore B underscore Johnson, and uh, not too many choices when you got a name last name Johnson for Twitter handles, so <laughs> you run a little short. Yeah, so Rod underscore B underscore Johnson on Twitter. Get in touch with them, and don't forget, guys, head over to geekoutonline.com slash reads. That'll take you right to the Goodreads Goldverse group where we've got uh a bunch of different uh how many people we got 47 members right now yeah we got a lot of active people talk about a lot of different topics you know books movies the books we're discussing for the the club books that other people have read yeah so it's just another way to interact with with uh friends from the goliverse and uh and get in there and let your voice be heard about stuff especially when we get to those uh book of the month recommendations and votes and that sort of thing so where are we at right now on the recommendations? When did those wrap up? Have those wrapped up yet? Uh, I would have to talk to Wendy Cooper. She's okay. uh, 
she's kind of been the one doing that. I can right. pull it up. I can pull it up here real quick and. All right. I know. I know. I'm looking here on the thread, um, and I don't see a cutoff time for it. So. Um, I, I don't. I don't think she's put a cutoff yet. Okay. All right. Well, uh, there we go. Uh, so check it out. Go ahead and get your voice heard, and uh, there the Goodreads page geekoutonline.com slash reads is the best way to get there. Rod, thank you so much for jumping in, man. I'm going to uh, close us out and talk right, to you later, my friend. Me. All right, we'll see you. See And uh, that's it, man. That's, that's Geek Out Loud. That's how we do this thing. And as we say, this whole book club thing will, will grow and change and we'll figure out better ways and bigger ways to do it. Thanks to everyone who called in. Uh, we greatly appreciate you taking the time to reach out to us here at Geek Out Loud. Hey, the email is geekoutonline at gmail.com. We've got a full mailbag, but we'll always take more and more and more mail from you. Just get in touch with us, geekoutonline at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at Geek Out Loud. I'm at Steve Glosson. Rod is at Rod underscore B underscore Johnson. And, of course, at Goliverse. For everything you want to know when we're going live and stuff, we usually post that right to uh, the Goliverse Twitter at Goliverse. Facebook.com slash GeekOutLoud. Once again, thanks to everyone who's used the Amazon links at GeekOutPodcast.com and GeekOutOnline.com. When you use those links, it helps out the show, and we appreciate your help with that. Also, uh, Patreon.com slash GeekOutLoud. If you want to support the show directly, you can head that way and do it, and we greatly 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 appreciate your support with everything that uh, goes on there with the patreon um patreon supporter page that was a lot shorter than i thought it was i forgot this is our by the way pulling the curtain back this is the old music i used to play to go out on and i forgot how short it was so i'm gonna wrap things up until next time i'm steve glosson thank you guys so much have a great whatever you're having we'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud.